Support for Laser Time is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LASERTIME. One word, LASERTIME, at manscaped.com. Once again, that promo code is LASERTIME for 20% off and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. The fourth time's enough for Pirates of the Caribbean. Bill Murray goes sailing and Shrek debuts this week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a quick, casual, fun look back over 30, 20, and 10 years ago of the same week. We'll be recording from the area of May 14th to the 20th and tell you all the cool movies, television, video games, music, and more that came out in 1991, then 2001, then 2011. Get it? 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Uh, it'll help you organize your memories. Yes, that's the, the new tagline. I've tried to sell to Manscaped to get one more ad out of them. No, uh, but <laughs> welcome. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I like to stay up late talking about manly things, and in the morning, I make waffles. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarah, and I hope you brought a change of clothes, because your eyes are about to piss tears when we talk about <laughs> TV this week. <laughs> There's a lot of finales, and, and very strangely... A lot. The, every every segment has an incredibly cool and popular movie mixed with almost unspeakable, <laughs> almost unspeakable films in those same segments. It, it's it's the start of summer, so I'm not even sure how some of this stuff squeaked in. It's very it's very very strange, but a ton of movies to talk about and a lot of uh, TV shows ending this week. Uh, season finales or series finales. I've got some really bad news for you, Walker Texas Ranger fans. I was. I had been researching the show only because I fell down the rabbit hole of Conan's Lever. Yes. Uh, it is it. some of the most wonderful. None of them occur in any of the years we're talking about, but that's that's the <laughs> that's the most exposure to Walker Texas Ranger I've ever had. And I wondered mm. like, should I should I avail myself of this show? And the answer was no. No, it's no. not worth it. Not even for you people. <laughs> you wait, so you haven't watched the Walker Texas Ranger clip with Haley Joel Osment? Yes, yes I like have. Like a thousand times. Because Only that, or where he, he, he flies a plane into a woman's convertible and then punches her in the face. Um, <laughs> there's just something so matter of fact about the way little Haley Joel Osment says, Walker told Walker, me I have AIDS. <laughs> Walker knows. I, he he tasted really like your blood, kid. <laughs> No, I like to pretend that Walker's just fucking with him. Chuck Norris is that much of an asshole. I mean, he is kind of an asshole. Yes, he really is. If you've seen the show, he does like most of his procedures involve punching people in museums. Oh, but that is a safe space. Yes, yes, you don't punch people into displays. I'm trying to read a plaque here. <laughs> I don't appreciate. I'm trying to eat a croissant in a cafe. Yes. A, f- a $6.99 croissant in a museum cafe. Okay, y'all. I love museum cafes. It's like one of my favorite places to eat. There, I mean, if you're in D.C., I, I know what you're talking about. Those are yeah. all really, really good. 
Also, just side note is that the High Museum of Art has a fantastic Bloody Mary bar. Ooh, mm. what do you uh, and shout out to Wisconsin because our city got a Culver's today, and all I want is more frozen custard and butter burgers. Oh, people cannot stop talking. It's mm. so good. I have not had it since I've been in actual Wisconsin. Anyway, uh, got to thank our executive producer, Taylor, Johnny, Farron, and I hope I'm saying your name correctly because it's a big one, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. Support us, keep the show going, help reimburse us for our time and cost and money and equipment. And to reward you, the Video Game Apocalypse boys and me, we have a brand new 302010 games up for you right now. Brand new sick of Star Wars you can listen to right now talking about the mid the time in between uh Star- New Hope and Empire. So yeah, the uh, a forgotten sequel, a terrible holiday special, uh and so very much more. With that with that out of the way, 302010, May 14th to the 20th, 1991 is where we'll get started. And to let you to like wade you into the world of 1991, little bit of news, Willie T. Ribs becomes that is not his name. <laughs> is that his put, name? Put him in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Not just because he is the first black driver to make the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. But because his name is Willie Ribs. Willie T. Ribs. He, he needs to be in the NASCAR Hall of Names. <laughs> he, should, he should at least have his own barbecue sauce. Because that name, is, that name is too oh, yes. good. Oh, yeah. It's a missed opportunity here, honestly. Willie he T. Ribs. doesn't have a barbecue restaurant. The first African-American That's driver fun. to make the Indianapolis 500, as Diana said. Do not mean to repeat yeah. her line. Um <laughs> And but uh, yes, that matters to people who like. St- is that NASCAR? Car. We don't know. Uh, We're not sports yeah, people. No, we didn't promise that yes. at all. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, the 1991 movies. This is where we sh- we tend to shine, and we even have a special guest for this segment, don't we? Rhapsody in August is a is a movie that comes out in Japan or America. What am I looking at here? Uh, it's probably when it came out in Japan. Mm. Uh, that's a Kurosawa joint. He's in his 80s at this point, but he's still going, God damn it. Yeah. And uh, he makes a movie about Hiroshima. Yay. And somehow squeezes Richard Gere into the affair. And squeezes Richard Gere in. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. No, it's about a woman who lost her husband in the atomic blast at Hiroshima. And then her grandkids come to stay with her. And they learn about how that was sad and family and coping and some people criticized it saying like what about japanese war crimes and it's like that's not this movie what about them yeah you can make a different movie about the rape of what about the invention of the camera in japan like this is about another time and place it's okay yeah this is about the small family i don't think they were military commanders that ordered any of that so yeah i mean it's just it it's family film it's pretty interesting i didn't know know twitter existed in 91 yeah, and then Richard Gere shows up as a like long lost brother's half Japanese son, and it's there's a little bit of. But you're Richard Gere. <laughs> hmm. You're not half okay. Asian. What? You're not. But you're you're Richard Gere. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit weird. <laughs> but no, it's a pretty good movie. I mean, I I haven't seen a Kurosawa movie that I would call bad, and he made like fifty of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Follow up to one of my phase dreams, and uh, man, I, we have a very special guest for this one, don't we? we do mm. yeah. Well, I figure we should sub in my better half for this mm. discussion because I know nothing about this next movie, but Sam knows quite a bit. We, in fact, it's it's really sad. Uh, it was one of the first things we talked about once we all got vaxxed and <laughs> met up together. We somehow organically, not related to the show, started talking about Stone, the, the movie Stone Cold. Starring, wait, Seattle Seahawks' Brian Bosworth? What? What? How dare, how dare Brian Bosworth be in a movie called Stone Cold? 
1991, it worked, Mr. Austin. I'm sorry. And also starring a flat-top human Dick Tracy villain, William Forsythe, who just got his <laughs> ass kicked and out for justice. Is it also the movie Stone Cold? Sammy! <laughs> hey there. Oh, I'm uh, the resident uh, Stone Cold expert. I actually, there were we <laughs> actually watched this movie uh, at my bachelor party. <laughs> I am, right. I am not making that up. You rented out a theater to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it's, it's one of the best. It's in my top two uh, bad watch movies ever. I, I love it. Um, the other being Deadly Prey, which you've probably seen. Um, <laughs> That's uh, like like evil ET, right? No, no, no. Deadly no. Prey is like a. It's like basically. If Roddy Piper beat- wore Daisy Dukes and didn't see aliens, but shot everybody anyway. Yeah, it's a guy, yeah. and it, it's basically that uh, classic literature story, um, short story, the most dangerous game with a guy wearing Kentucky River shorts. But <laughs> that is not Stone Cold. Stone Cold. They spent millions of dollars making this movie. It yeah. stars Brian Bosworth, who. Uh, for a stint played for the Seahawks, I think. Yep. And they tried to like transition him into like the next big action movie star and it failed miserably, but the movie itself (laughs) is an absolutely excellent bad watch. It does everything right to make a proper um, enjoyable bad movie and that it tries very hard and takes itself very seriously and fails fucking miserably. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you have to do. You have to believe in yourself and fail at it. Oh, that's yes, yeah, a sincerely made uh, a movie that was trying very hard not to be bad that came up. And I remember seeing this on HBO and like, you know, it was one of those late nights. Uh, I'm looking for nudity because there's a certain ritual I need to perform so I can go to bed. And I see brief nudity is in here. And from the opening of the supermarket scene in this film, I'm like, never mind. I'll sit here and watch Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah, this movie, like it successfully does what Sylvester Stallone's Cobra tried to do. And you can oh. see like some parallels because the problem with Cobra, it's the same thing. I think it even be- it literally begins with a supermarket shoot up scene mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But in Cobra, like it's like he's he drives the car, has the big gun, but he's a specialist. Uh what what is his specialty? We're not going to tell you. Uh he works for the zombie squad. What is that? We're not going to tell you. <laughs> his adversary, this cult, what are they about? We're not going to tell you. That's the problem with Cobra. Whereas like with Stone Cold, it Nothing is ever unexplained. It makes total sense. It's just corny as shit. Yes. A a racist biker gang. That's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. Who, like, (laughs) I think execute the entire Alabama Supreme Court at one point towards the end. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Or Mississippi, I think. Yeah, I think they actually filmed it in, like, Jackson, Mississippi or something like that. But the movie is just hilarious, like, through and through. Uh, I think the gist is, if I recall correctly, because I haven't watched it in, oh, I don't know, six months. Just kidding, but uh, <laughs> but probably, probably like I watched it in the last few years. Uh, the gist is, I think he's like this sort of beat detective, and the FBI, some federal agency, wants uh, someone to infiltrate this like really dangerous stand-in for the Hell's Angels biker gang. So they recruit him, and I can't remember why. I guess he just has these connections. So fucking tough. Yeah, so he's got to like infiltrate this biker gang by. You know, just being a hard ass. And he's a an NFL football player, so he's a big ass dude. Yeah, he um, is like he looks like a cartoon character too. <laughs> he looks like a drawing of tough guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's so he's well, very generic, but he's got like a really strong jaw and like a prominent chin with a tough tough guy in ninety one who doesn't know he's gay yet. 
Yeah. And his, right, yeah, he's got an earring and bleach long earrings. Like his hair in this movie, <laughs> I like I think I described it as like a multi-layered mullet. Like that is like a thousand dollar mullet. Like it is insane. Like it, it's it's like almost like up there with like Trump's hair. Like I don't understand how it how it functions. Like yeah, it's, it's, it obeys it laws of physics. It's like a hair bomb pop. It's like three different colors. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. But this movie, uh, yeah, it's got William Forsyth in it. Uh, Lance Hendrickson is in it, perpetually looking like he's about to have a heart attack at any given point, which yeah. is hilarious. Still with us. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. Knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the movie's great. It's like the biggest movie Bossworth ever did. Uh, he did one movie. Uh, he's done like several movies, but the one he did right after this, mm-hmm. which I don't want to talk too much about since it is about Stone Cold, but was this movie called uh, One Man's Justice, which I think went directly <laughs> to HBO and it stars uh, Bruce Payne, who is the bad guy in Passenger 57. Oh, yeah. He's the guy that got delivered the line. He refused like, to always, bet on black. Always bet on black. Oh. Yeah. And then uh, it there's a tertiary, excuse me, tertiary villain in it known by none other than MC Hammer. Yeah. So what? I highly recommend that movie as another bad watch because it, it's done very w- well in the bad way, but it's almost impossible to find. I think the only way you can watch it is uh by like buying it for fifty dollars on DVD on like yeah. Amazon or something. Or so. like or in, in 100p on daily motion. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh Stone Cold through and through, excellent bad movie watch. Fuck yeah. Thank you, Sammy. All right. Sure, sure. <laughs> well that was sweet of him. Thank you so much for lining that up, Sarah. I don't know how you got this this guest for us. You know, he's <laughs> very hard to pin down, but I do my best. Hey yo. Man, the the bad movies keep getting better. Um <laughs> uh, I, I would say Stone Cold sounds like a real fun watch with it is. buddies. Uh for legendarily bad movies. My God, don't bother with our next one. Hey, just just don't. But it was a fun punchline for a long time. It's it's one of my favorite subtitles because I don't know what it means. Um, Mannequin two on the move, <laughs> and well, nobody comes back for the second film. Mannequins can't move right. except for me, Shock Taylor, R.I.P. All right, as Hollywood, the wacky gay guy with right. the funny car. Yeah. yeah, Christy Swanson and William Ragsdale. This time we've downgraded from Kim Cattrall and uh, is it Andrew McCarthy? Yes. Which I mean, the original mannequin is terrible, but it's like it's funny terrible one of the, in some it's, ways. Every time you see somebody parody parody an eighties movie, I'm like, I'm sorry, the eighties was never that eighties. And then you watch Mannequin. I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is the most eighties movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh and then yeah, Mannequin too. It's been a couple years. No one asked for this, no one wanted this. Why are you doing this? And now it has to do with an ancient curse. Christy Swanson is like from medieval times and got cursed to be a mannequin. And that mannequin somehow survived a thousand goddamn years to be in a store. Wow, 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 wow. Um, I mean, I guess fairy tales are a theme this week. uh, And uh, man, um, there's I love all I love talking about all the movies in this list. This is so crazy this week and then and then uh, i i think again i think we had a laser time all about movies you still can't get on dvd and most of that has been alleviated except diana for this movie i think it's still a problem to watch yes Mm -hmm. uh i was having a real hard time tracking down truly madly deeply uh which is actually 1990 british film but it's released here in 1991 i think they held on to it because it's real similar to ghost in its setup Mm -hmm. or premise at least but only this time it's got Alan Rickman. And it's Google search only turns up Savage Garden songs. 
Yeah. Oh, it's a real pain. But I did end up um, watching it through not very legal means. And it's really interesting. I mean, first of all, it's kind of the big debut of writer-director Anthony Minghella, who would still be a powerhouse director, except for he stupidly died because cancer surgery is dangerous, I guess. But he did uh, English Patient, Cold Mountain, Talented Mr. Ripley. He was like Mr. Late 90s prestige dude. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like his first getting uh, attention. So Julia Stevenson plays this lady whose partner, Alan Rickman, has just suddenly died. And she's like really depressed. And they really go into like the levels of grief she has. And it feels very realistic. And then he just shows up again as a ghost. And mm-hmm. like, huh. So it's like ghost, but without the like drug money subplot. Yeah. But Let's then make it takes... a pottery wheel together and <laughs> embrace one another to the Righteous Brothers. <laughs> Bad Alan Rickman. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, it is fun to see Alan Rickman not as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's yeah. very charming. But also, it goes, it takes Ghost and it goes in a different direction in that, like, his ghost buddy starts showing up and, like, messing up her apartment. <laughs> and I'll just spoil it because it's such a pain to find, but really, he's come back to help her move on by reminding her about the bad times, kind of. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's interesting. I like that yeah. take. Yeah, it's a very different take. And I mean, it moves kind of slow. It's got some wacky characters, but it ends up being, it's very charming. Yes, truly, madly, deeply. If you somehow get your little pause on it. I, I want to watch uh, this movie in a mountain. Watch. I really do. Uh, sorry, that's bad joke, but <laughs> I can move on into <laughs> a movie I have. Okay, look, I'll just say my story off the bat because it is not, it is not indulgent to the substance of the movie. We had just gotten access and maybe some of my co-hosts know what I'm talking about, to a movie archive that isn't necessarily legal. Shout out to our buddy CP. And this is a few years ago, and I'm like, whoa, I can watch like any movie I want on this not entirely official or legitimate service. This is so good. And then, you know, I tell my girlfriend at the time, you know, why don't you pick the movie? Uh, I've, I've gone nuts on this over the weekend. And she picks, she's like, you ever seen Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken? I'm like, no. I have not seen Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. And then she puts it on, and within a few minutes, I'm like mouthing lines and telling her what's going to happen next. Like, why have I fucking seen this movie? And then I like I call my sister and like, have I seen Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken? I'm like, yeah, not without a giant fucking fight in our one TV household. Yeah, you saw the movie. It was like my favorite movie, and you pitched a fucking fit every time as a little kid when we put this movie on. And I was like, yeah. oh my, oh my god! And so like, I think for the first time ever. I watched the movie like without kind of like kicking my legs like a 10 year old. Like, oh, damn it. Why can't we be watching? A- Why isn't Aladdin out yet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I watched this movie and like enjoyed the shit out of it a few years ago. Yeah. And- I, I mean, I watched this a lot when I was younger because it came on the Disney Channel all the time. I think that was part. I think we recorded it off the Disney Channel because yeah. we didn't have a yeah. ton of. Yeah. It definitely non- did. Yeah. Disney dominates this week. We have so many Disney and Touchstone movies, except yeah. for one that is making fun of Disney. Yeah. yeah. Yay. Yeah. Pretty awesome. But yeah, I watched this movie a ton also because my mom is a horse girl. Mm-hmm. So, like, any horse adjacent movies horse movies black beauty you name it i saw it growing up my mom me too my sister never grown out of being a horse girl oh yeah your sister's Mm -hmm. definitely a horse girl this is a horse girl movie and it's great and And if i can if i may describe it in a in a guy way for what i think it's most notable for it's about a girl who makes horses pretend to commit suicide until she goes blind and, and <laughs> yeah, sure. It's it, and that 
there's like this whole romantic like you got to learn to love and be friends with your horse and then it's like this is the stupidest occupation anyone's ever had it and- reminds me of of horse boxing um <laughs> if you're if you listen to comedy bang bang like the <laughs> great title though mm-hmm. like a really yeah. good title for a film i also have to say as a side note but yeah i remember loving this and i know this is one of those movies that if i had a chance to go back and rewatch i would also be like mouthing yeah. all the lines sarah I, I i can hear the disney channel voice guy saying the title now yeah wild yeah, 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 yeah. can't be broken yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah it, it an interesting movie about like aside of the vaudeville scene i've never ever heard of the horse high dive and yeah it's based on a true story yeah yeah a woman who had her horse dive off of very large platforms until not unlike how i I believe most seafaring birds die of starvation because their eyes get fucked up because they keep them open when they dive in the water and and yeah they die and after a while they just can't see and die of starvation this woman eventually like i don't know goes blind from using a, her horse on a high who should be breaking the water a little bit. It's not like she's taking the brunt of the splash. Yeah. Ooh, put some goggles yeah. on both those. <laughs> yeah, put some Amelia Earhart goggles on. I know they exist, lady. Yeah, and put some of those on your horse, too. Why not? Gabrielle on be super cute. Um, the only time I think I've heard your name, but, like, I've remembered it ever since. But, yeah, like, I, 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 I watched this against my will so much to where I remember every second of this movie. It was very bizarre to watch in, in my 30s. And is it something you – did you watch it? Did, did anybody else watch it again recently? I, no, I had I'm fun sorry. with it. I had a lot to get into. It but, I not... mean, yeah, I got Cliff Robertson, Michael Schiffling. And, um, yeah, it's the 30s, and it's based on a true story of a woman who becomes, you know, part a, a diving horse act, eventually a steel pier in Atlantic City, which is like – Oh shit! I'd heard of that. How is mm-hmm. how was that a real thing? Those are those are the yeah. sequences I love the most. Uh, the Atlantic City sequences—they look really good uh, by today's standards. Hmm. And um, a movie I did not watch for the show because I watch it like every fucking week. Uh, and it's—I believe it's my girl and her mother's favorite movie. I didn't watch it this week, but I did on accident buy an action figure from it. That's how many times I have seen this movie. <laughs> Catherine Herb, uh, Charlie. Co- Crosmo, Corsmo, Corsmo, Hook Kid. Yeah. It's the Hook Kid. Uh, Julie yeah, the Haggerty. Hook kid and the oh, the yeah. Hook Kid and the Dick Tracy Kid, who is now a law professor. The Dick Tracy oh. Kid. Um, yeah. And and who's who's the, the the daughter? Is she like from the league? Was she? No, no. She was she was uh yeah. the she was the one woman on death row on Oz because we saw yep. her naked and uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Julie Haggerty, uh, <laughs> Eternal Mother. Uh, and Richard Dreyfus, and of course Bill Murray. Number at the box office. It's the movie directed by Fozzie the Bear. What about Bob? Touchstone Pictures asks, "What do you do when a summer house guest becomes a real house pest?" <laughs> Will you stop that? Bill Murray is overstaying his welcome. I don't have any chili. And Richard Dreyfus is going overboard. Trying to get him to leave. What are you doing with the rifle? Death therapy, Bob. Bill Murray. Richard Dreyfus. What about Bob? People wanted me to leave, but no one's ever wanted to kill me. How do you know? Rated PG. Starts Friday. I think this is one of the first Bill Murray movies I saw in the theaters, if I'm being honest. Like, mm-hmm. I was too young to can't yell to see Ghostbusters when I'm three. Yeah, I saw this in the theater twice. I've always loved this movie. I've always wanted the Don't Hassle Me, I'm Local shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the, the figure I bought, by the way was the I'm sailing he's it, it I don't like pops but he's in the I'm sailing pose and and I bought him because we can like tie him to broomsticks and like uh <laughs> and, and lamps and he just 
His hands are fanned out and he's leaning forward. <laughs> and, looks, and he's wearing a life vest and it looks great. This is like one of the first, this is definitely the first grown up comedy I think I ever saw. Yeah, that's I, it's it's in there somewhere for me too. Yeah. Like yeah. My, my... Well, it's a pretty pretty strong mix of grown up and childish. Yeah, comedy. yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, there's plenty for kids to get, but maybe larger themes might miss them because Bill Murray has many, many mental problems <laughs> and um, drives his in his therapist crazy and he's passed off to Richard Dreyfus, who's trying to become kind of like a, I mean, before Dr. Phil, but like a doctor. He's trying to become like a famous pop therapist and he is super up his own butt. He's got a book and, out. He's got a Today Show interview. This mustn't be ruined. By- <laughs> yeah. And and then, uh, yeah, Bill Murray follows him to his vacation home and won't leave and drives everyone. Well, drives him crazy. And the rest of the family seem to think he's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and, uh, and, he's, and he starts slowly getting over his many phobias. And that's why that's, that's why I love the movie so much because it's you can watch it watch it with your kid brain and his kid brain like what's everyone so mad at Bill Murray for and watching it as an adult I'm like this man is crossing a lot of boundaries yeah <laughs> yeah well that's what makes it so fun too is that Richard Dreyfus is playing his asshole role like has he ever played not an asshole um, <laughs> no no I mean maybe Jaws no. but like that was close it's close though mm-hmm. like he's getting there in Jaws. I think- I think the last time we talked about him was Postcards from the Edge, where he's like the one nice person. So right. I'll give him that one. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. a pretty small role. True. Okay. Yeah, it's it's fun because the way that the rest of the family play off of Bill Murray, it does kind of like force you to think, wait a minute, is Bill Murray really that bad? Or is Richard Dreyfus just like an asshole? Like, it, it's just <laughs> such a, they do such a good job of like, writing those characters and kind of making you like question like wait a minute who's really the bad guy here and, it's it's yeah. it's so as it an adult both. it's yeah, still, it's still like bob it's, <laughs> it's still bob i don't care if you ran a goddamn fucking subs shop if my customer followed me to a different state to my vacation home i'd have a problem with that and i don't know if the sub my sub shop customer has a cornucopia of metal problems and is staying in the room with my son. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is what happens That's when you fair. watch the movie at, at 40. And it, 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 it just really skirts the line. Like, it doesn't, like, disparage anybody with mental illness. It's like uh, Bill Murray is, like, kind of relatable. Just an overly anxious guy who thinks he might have everything, and maybe he does. But um, being closer to a family helps him get over that. And it's, it's, a, it's a little yeah. sweet in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I have to give Frank Oz all the credit in the world because it's a movie about two annoying people butting heads, <laughs> and it stars two legendarily hard to work with actors. Ooh, interesting! Mm. I love and that. Apparently, yeah, Bill Murray really did just annoy the shit out of Richard Dreyfus, and Richard Dreyfus annoyed the shit out of everyone. <laughs> I can I totally like, see that. Yeah, Bill, I see that. Frank, I, see I don't that. know what their relationship is, but like uh, Frank Oz has a weird relationship with all the SNL guys. He's in Blues mm-hmm. Brothers, and yeah. he coaxed previously coaxed Bill Murray out of retirement to do that little scene in Little Shop of Horrors, and right. and this is like his first post Ghostbusters two movie. And yeah, I don't I don't know what gift Miss Piggy has, but uh, I'll do whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, maybe it's just that. Maybe he just calls you on the phone as Yoda, and you just you just yes. have to say yes. Do movie you will. I'll leave. <laughs> uh, okay. I love this. I love this film. I can watch it anytime. It's one of my favorite Bill Murray characters because Bill Murray is most of the time playing a smart Alec Dick, not mm-hmm. a doe-eyed happy guy mm-hmm. um, who is making yeah. everyone's I- life better. It's I feel like, like it's this like, gets lost in his filmography too, yeah. and it is a real strong performance. It is it like, is Bill Murray the, is the entire right, time right. he is like how he is at the end of Scrooge and Groundhog Day. He didn't need to learn anything. 
<laughs> he's just a yes. nice guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's he does it just shows what a gifted comedic actor he is cuz you still don't really hate him. No, I think you know? I think maybe that's why Fr- Frank Oz treats him like a muppet. Like he just yeah. doesn't realize yeah. when he's crossed the line. I love this film. Love it. What about Bob? I bought it on every piece of media you can get, and there are no special features or deleted scenes, and I've it's always really bummed me out because I know there's like Mm -hmm. a ton of takes from Bill Murray that we have not seen. But uh, Mm -hmm. this is has to be one of my picks of the week. I love this film. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen it in thirty years, and I was I was so pleasantly surprised. And it is. I I just feel like why why don't we talk about this movie more? Yeah, Mm -hmm. this was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, I think it, I think it's part of that that it's part of yet another one of Disney's. It was not even an acquisition; they made this out of they made Touchstone from scratch. But it's one of those wings that like is barely open. The studio itself is barely open. They're just kind of it gets treated like a legacy product. It doesn't get a special edition DVD, but you can still see it on TV. It's still available to rent everywhere, but it's not given an anniversary treatment. I think that's stupid. This movie's great, yeah. um, and I know it's streaming on. Some premium movie channel. I only have like I think Epics with Sling. It's I, I, I we we can watch it on Sling anytime we want with no commercials. So it's yeah. It also has a great movie poster. I love that poster. Yeah, it's indelible. It like movie. that was up in every shop. I remember. Like yeah. everyone can call it to mind almost immediately. That's why yeah. it makes and me angry. double checking, making sure. Oh yeah, Wild Hearts can't be broken. Definitely on Disney Plus. So oh, is it fantastic? Yep. And uh, if you're living overseas, this is probably on Disney Plus too because they've put in most of their Touchstone product. And uh, but yeah, I'm trying to remember where I saw this streaming, but I can't. It was somewhere through my ca- my streaming cable package, which is Sling, and they're not sponsoring us. But I wish they would. It's apparently on HBO Max. So shut the fuck up, me. We all good with what about Bob moving to television? Sure. Yep. Strong recommend. Television yep. of 1991, Night Rider 2000, the TV movie. Excuse me. Oh my God. I did not get to see this, but I read the synopsis and now I kind of want to because it takes place in the far off land of 2000 where guns have been banned. Yay! Oh yeah. No, they explained (laughs) it in the trailer. What? You mean there's not, there's not less restrictions on guns than ever because of Republicans? All right. All right. I this, this utopia I got to live in. First you ban capital punishment, then you ban handguns from everyone, including your own police. We need help, Russ. We need help. Sentient cars. Kicks back in a new century and a brand new adventure. Switch to virtual reality. With the latest technology and an old friend. Is that you, Michael? Yeah. You look like crap. Well, so do you, pals. Now it's time for a new partner. Michael, kindly tell this obnoxious person to remove her hands from my wheels. If she has your missing chip implanted in her brain, we'll simply have to have it removed. <laughs> So great! Mr. Why have I not Beanie. ever seen this? Oh, oh my goodness! So this beautiful woman has the the sentient car chip somewhere in her brain, and David Hasselhoff can't figure out which one to seduce. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, the hot car, the hot lady. Uh, I've never even heard of this. I thought Hasselhoff would have backed off because he's kind of pretty deep into one of the sh- another show that one of his will talk about. Yeah, so I think this was the this was a attempt at a relaunch and mm-hmm. just ended up as a TV movie. Although, like so many of our TV movies went to theaters overseas. Yeah, what do they know? I want to watch this on a big screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it means it's in widescreen somewhere, that's, that's great. And if, if anything, people who helped 
man, I should have written this letter to them beforehand. Everyone who just helped relaunch Mystery Science Theater 3000, that's what they should watch. All these made-for-TV movies, mm-hmm. and these beautiful widescreen on-film, oh, version of Knight Rider 2000. Anyway, Seinfeld. Although, mm. I imagine European audiences with them going, there's no death penalty and not even the cops have guns. And they're like, yeah, Wednesday? You mean, <laughs> and the average the average citizen owns a car? What the fuck is this? And, uh, and 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 the episode of Seinfeld that airs this week is the Baby Shower, the Baby Shower. Oh man, this is such a great episode. But I did. We have so much more to cover, so I didn't pull a clip from it. But I was watching clips from this episode, and so Elaine gets pressured by one of her friends to throw her a baby shower. And this same friend, at one point years ago, took George out on a on a date to one of her performance art pieces where she ends up throwing an entire bottle of chocolate syrup on him while he's in the audience. And so he has this <laughs> ruined shirt. And sometimes I didn't realize this until I was watching the clips from this, but sometimes Seinfeld is just a play. Like mm-hmm. the way that the characters tell stories about things that you're not present for. I mean, obviously the best example is the sea was angry that day, my friend, like an old man trying to send back <laughs> soup in a deli. But this is also a really good one where George is telling the story of having this like chocolate sauce being thrown on him during a performance art, you know, piece that's not good. And the way he explains it is so evocative and they don't do any flashbacks. They don't do any like cuts or exemplars of what they're talking about. It's just him monologuing. And yeah, I, I didn't really realize this, but like Seinfeld has so few sets so few like you know characters going out in the world that a lot of their stuff is like just monologues dialogues two people sitting on one in, like at a table talking and is still really good at telling the story it's yeah. very playwrighty that's why I when i was like. a, a kid i thought it was boring because yeah. it didn't move around a lot but like um episodes like this can move pretty fast and a lot of things can happen it, oh uh, yeah because i mean the the b plot is also really great about jerry getting pressure into getting free cable by some like weird people that Kramer sets him up with and they show up during the baby shower and yada, yada, yada. It's fantastic. <laughs> but I highly recommend anyone trying to get in drama school, look to Seinfeld for some mm. comedic monologues. I feel like yeah. you can really make some hay with that for sure. Right. There you go. And up next, uh, talking about SNL with your host, George Went and Elvis, <laughs> your musical guest, Elvis Costello. This episode you'd think would be crazier. But it's. Do you remember when I think it was George went who first hosted that the whole cast of Cheers comes out uh, and oh. so, and then and during the monologue. This is George Went's second and last time hosting, and you get Aww. confused by that because this is where he takes over for Joe Montana and Bill Schwarzkopf's super fans, the Bears. That happens yeah, here, bears. and then it's Dennis Miller and Jan Hook's last show. And in the opening of the show, it's, and I have only read about this, have not seen it, uh, I believe Dennis Miller explains, I'm only on Weekend Update. I never, ever get to say the line. Lauren, let me say the line. So Dennis Miller gets his one and only live from New York at Saturday night in his last episode. Oh, that's fun. Um, yes, provided you don't hate Dennis Miller, which I don't for some reason because of this show. And then on, <laughs> on the 19th, we also have the Our Sons movie starring Ooh. Ann-Margaret, Julie Andrews, Hugh Grant, and uh, a... Oh, come on. Why are you giving me that name? Zeltko Ivan- Ivanik, which is definitely a guy that you've seen before in a million right. Yes, yes. And he's fantastic. I really love it whenever I see him pop up and stuff because I know you're probably looking at something at least interesting, if not great. But uh, yeah, this is a TV movie starring just some really amazing actors yeah, uh, about 
two mothers who um, have two sons who are in a relationship together, one of whom is dying of AIDS. And one of the sons reaches out to his mom and says, like, hey, can you find the mother of my partner because he's dying of AIDS? And so these two women come together to go be with their sons. And it's it's, it's a real tearjerker. But, yeah, the promo is pretty great. These two actresses kind of going up against each other. They couldn't have been more different. (laughs) Limo was a mistake, Audrey. Two women brought together by circumstance. I'm here about your son. Nobody here knows I got a son who's one of them. I wouldn't be able to show my face. He's gonna die! Two women. Wow, I I just thought this took place all over in England. So one of these ladies is is, is, Anna Margaret's in a trailer park. (laughs) Yeah, so she's like more of a like country mouse, and then you know Julie Andrews is very rich and worldly, and they have to come together to be there. Wow, another TV movie, The Omen Four, which I've not seen, but it's in my Omen box set. Uh, It's a, it's that's a TV movie. Oh, it's my head. Yeah, this was uh, a while where Showtime was doing more follow-ups to horror. That's why we have Psycho Two, I believe. We have Psycho Two because of them. Psycho Two. It's why we have the Birds Two. Okay. <laughs> and maybe Psycho 4. That might be why we have Psycho 4. Yeah, the one of the Psycho 2. Yeah. The yeah, birds Yeah, there is two. a birds 2. Mhm. But Birdemic. Omen 4. Uh, it's by it. I Omen like 4 cuz Sarah, you're a big fan of the Omen, right? Yeah, I really love the Omen. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. but I have not the only sequel I saw was the one that came out like 2006, I want to say. Oh, you mean Julia on June Stiles? 6th, uh, oh, 06? 666. Yes. I recall. And Ugh. I saw it in Alaska with my dad because he and I were both tired of doing outside things. So <laughs> we were like, we're going to go to the movie theater. That's how I saw the <laughs> Reno 911 movie. <laughs> <laughs> but The Omen 4, it, The Awakening uh, is out this week. They're really trying hard to sell this because they show clips of the original Omen. And mm-hmm. I think like maybe The Omen 2 or like one of the other sequels. This is going to be good. Remember this thing that you loved? Try this. Ian Thorne is dead. But his prophecy is about to be reborn. Omen 4, The Awakening. Is that the girl? Behind her sweet smile lies a dangerous secret. Do you think it's possible for a child to be born evil? Now, a reign of darkness is about to be unleashed. What evil made you do that? Okay, look, I'll put that back on the uh, list. I know it's in the garage somewhere. Uh, Diana, yeah. no? I want to say, is it Omen 3? I think is Sam Neill has grown up, Damien. And that one's kind of fun. Which they show uh, in this trailer. Mm-hmm. Right. This one, it just, it sounds like a bad remake of the original with, but there's also like new age crystal type folks are like <laughs> going to stop him now. And instead uh, of just, you know, like good Catholics and it's like, well, that sounds really dumb. Yeah, everything I saw was like for camp value alone. It's just not good. Like, eh. All right. And, and, that's, and a mama. that's a lot of fucking movies, by the way, that we just went through. And yes. if you include what's on television that week, we've been doing a, a lot of stuff with the video games over on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. The video games that come out with this period, we try and grab the Video Game Apocalypse voice, Chris Baker, when we can, and go through that as, for as long as we can and uh, play as many as we can. And I'll just tease you, like, the Rocketeer game is probably out there in this period. Oh. Um, but I'll go more in depth with ports, arcade releases, which are harder to find. 
Uh, and we'll, uh, even my co-hosts pr- pressure me to go more in depth. It's like who can find the most obscure game during this period, 1991 to bring out, uh, to bring this segment of 302010 to a close, uh, 1991 lot of music, a lot of big, music. all of May. It turns out is going to be, there's a lot of fucking music. Don't rock the jukebox by Alan Jackson. Of course, that's the song I have the most memory of. Thanks fucking Florida. Uh, yeah. Mighty Like a Rose by Elvis Costello is out this week. OG Original Gangster by Ice-T. Sailing the Sea of Cheese by Primus. Spellbound, the big follow-up album from Paul Abdul is also out. It's no Vibology, man. And uh, and De La Soul, <laughs> Soul's De La Soul is Dead, which is on Rolling Stone's uh, 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list is out this week. Uh, yep. We'll close out with... And it deserves to be there. I listened to a, a bunch of it. We'll go out with some of it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this should just be called We Are Really Influential. <laughs> Did they like, figure out a way okay, to like uh, is... officially release that music? I know they were having a huge problems with that. Uh, giving, yeah. Giving the samples in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, we'll close out with uh, I Like the Way, Kissing Game by High Five because it's number one this week. But don't go anywhere, people. 2001, it's going to be Shrekky. Chris, Matt, come with me Mm. on a journey of the mind. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. Mm. You too could be one of the first people to try the new Lawnmower 4.0 and be blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. We've talked about our trials and travails while trying to tame the hair down there. Let's just say that areas of the body were placed in peril that should never be put in such precarious positions. I've been manscaping for a very long time, oftentimes with painful results. I don't know why those other trimmer guys even call those things guards, because it certainly wasn't doing its job in guarding anything (laughs) the times that it resulted in injury. Take my word for it, manscaping has always been something I've been very much into, and no one made a product specifically for and I didn't think I could be happier with the previous Manscaper, but man, I cannot wait to try out the Lawnmower 4.0. Chris, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my beautiful baby boys down under. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch with a travel lock so that you don't run out of battery when you're on the go. It doesn't accidentally turn on there in your bag. Not that you would run out of battery, because get this, the 4.0 features a new wireless charging system that uses Whoa. electromagnetic induction, Whoa. which can help your battery last longer. So longer charge, shorter hairs. Ah. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. It's true. It's true, fellas. You got to figure out which one's right for you because if you're like me and have a hairy tummy or everywhere else, you can't just go shorn have it look like a brush fire occurred in the middle of your body yeah this isn't a one-size-fits-all thing i go a little bit longer in the chest region Mm -hmm. i go with it's the magnum is what i call it the magnum pi look but this also gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on or off when needed for a more precise shave the other thing 
I gotta mention it here. Fellas, if you've been using the same trimmer on your face that you do on your nuts, don't do that. You are doing it all wrong. No one wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make mm -hmm. me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth baby boys. Mm -hmm. And right now, Chris, our listeners can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's right. 20% off free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using promo code LASERTIME. One word, baby. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Y'all can't stop me now. Listen to me now. I'm lasting 20 rounds. And if you want me, then come on get me now. Is you with me now? Then biggie, biggie bounce. I know you dig the way I switch my style. Hello. People sing around, now people gather around, now people jump around. Get your freak on, get your freak on, get your freak on, get your freak on, get your freak on. Coming in 2001 with uh, one, you know, everybody should remember, Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott off of Miss E. So addictive. That sounds like a Japanese movie Missy Elliott starred in. But uh, Get Your Freak On. Uh, Stone Cold Classic. Yeah. And ma major props to Michelle Obama for apparently knowing all the words or just practicing a whole lot before doing carpool karaoke. <laughs> Honestly, which is cooler? Yeah. Like, that shit is hard. Shit is hard. If you ever tried to pregame for karaoke, I usually give up in like five minutes. Like, I'll just, yes, I'll, I'll dance through this part. Yeah, welcome to 2001, May 14th to the 20th. Um, that's leading off our music releases. Thank you, Missy. Uh, we also have new releases, uh, the self-titled debut of Olivia. Mm-hmm, Olivia. Everyone remembers Olivia. Um, waiting for someone else to chime in on Olivia. Exciter by Depeche Mode is also out this week. And Reveal by R.E.M. And I'm all of a sudden not sure what decade this actually is. Um, <laughs> Anoraknophobia. No, Anoraknophobia. By Marillion. So, what? The first major crowdfunded album? It was, yeah. Marillion is sort of a, I guess, prog rock, art rock band, and they pre sold the album and used the money to record it. So oh. that makes it the first major crowdfunded album. Through That's what? Cool. Like PBS? Like there's no Kickstarter <laughs> or GoFundMe or anything like that. I wonder exactly. how they did it. God Bless the Go Go's, uh, their first album in 17 years. Yeah. It was one of the more fun documentaries I saw last year, actually. That Go-Go's documentary is real good. Ladderless by Tool. Um, Sweet Tea by Buddy Guy. And I wow. Can't believe Buddy Guy is still releasing stuff in 2001. That's yeah, crazy. man. I, I, this is the year I saw him. <laughs> and uh, Weezer's The Green Album, which was yeah. very exciting for nerds of my age because uh, the Blue Album was very. I was like, it was quietly really big for just me, and then I like went to college, and everyone's like, this is the greatest album of all time. Like, I knew that, but did you it know that? A, it is a perfect album. Everyone knows that. Oh shit! And now it's at the point where like it's almost annoying, but not really. Like it still has my favorite first song in album history. Um, and the Green Album, it, it didn't have have the initial arguments that Pinkerton did. Only Pinkerton fans chimed in to say, eh, the Green Album's not so great. And we're like, shut up! Listen to Glorious Days. Anyway, uh, <laughs> The World Needs a Hero by Megadeth is also out this week, so... Something for everybody, except people of color this week. So, <laughs> oh wait, no, <laughs> all for you by Janet Jackson is out. Num is number there one this go. week. There you go. 
2001, a little bit of news to wade you into the world. 2001, uh, the People's Most Beautiful People magazine. What? Number one? Number one is, uh, I thought it was the first issue of People's Most Beautiful. No. <laughs> um, number one is Catherine Zeta-Jones. And Hard to argue with. Quite striking, yeah, that right. lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, switching real fast into the movies of 2001, uh, May 14th to the 20th, The Believer with Ryan Gosling, Billy Zane, and Teresa, Rus- Teresa Russell. Ooh. Yeah, we we have a lot of terrible movies this week. We also have a couple that are hard to watch. This is kind of a hard to watch movie, but it is Ryan Gosling's first starring role. Hmm. Is it really? So yeah, and I read a couple different reviews, and they're all like coming out of Sundance because this one grand jury prize, I think, and a bunch of people are like, "Wait, this guy's been hiding on Mickey Mouse Club this whole time? Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me?" Because Ryan Gosling plays a neo-Nazi wow. who is Jewish. Oh boy! Yeah. It's about the ultimate in self-hating Jews. It's actually based vaguely on a true story. And it is interesting as hell because obviously he's an ardent neo-Nazi, but he's also like raised Jewish and like went to yeshiva. And like the thing that turns him into hating Jews is the idea that like Jews just meekly went to the gas chambers during the Holocaust. And he's just like, well, then they just don't deserve to live. Bunch of betas. Yep. (laughs) And... pretty much and Ugh. and like it kind of gets into i mean first of all that's a lie that's obviously not true right and i've, also, I've never seen a movie a covered other than the, the pianist though like they yeah there's a lot of fighting back what the hell yeah and also there's a lot of like what are you gonna do like mm-hmm. you fight back they kill you you don't fight back they kill you mm-hmm. and, uh, and they didn't realize how bad it was gonna be and blah, blah, blah. i'm not gonna get into it yes. but uh yeah he's fucking great in it billy zane's really good in it and um but it's it's tough but it's also interesting that it's like there aren't a lot of movies about neo-Nazis mm-hmm. where the neo-Nazi is the main character. Kind of this in American History X. Mm-hmm. This is the better movie. It gets mm-hmm. more in-depth into his character and why people get into neo-Nazism. And yeah, it's just, it's very complicated and there are no easy answers. It's yeah, The Believer is it's hard to watch, but it is, I was Really impressed. Why would they name the movie after the last song in Shrek? What a week to do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Angel Eyes uh, is also out this week with Jeremy Sisto, James Caviezel. I'll go. I'll, I'll call him that. And Jennifer Lopez. Angel Eyes. Everyone. A tough cop. He's a Get off from the world. Until she opened her eyes. Why would you jump somebody with a gun? To a mystery. Who are you? He's a ghost. Jennifer Lopez. What do you want from me? How about the truth? You won't believe your eyes. Angel eyes. Won't believe your angel eyes. That was a way better say to say that. God damn it. Fucking uh, lies. <laughs> this ad is lying. They no make ghosts? it look like it's blue steel or something. Or like, yeah, he's a ghost. Uh, whatever. She's a tough cop. And then, uh, you know, she meets up with this guy who helps her. Say, and it turns out, like, he's like, there's no record of him. He won't say anything about who he is. And you're like, oh, so he's a serial killer or something? Like, like blue steel? No. No, it's just going back to truly madly deeply he just lost someone and he's very sad and he can't oh, move on i was hoping Lindbergh, and it, baby mm. yeah and it turns like super it mostly it's just really sappy when it seems like it's going to be a cool cop thriller and it lied it lied <laughs> and now I like jennifer lopez when she's a cop though yeah i like that out of sight hey y'all rules Bennifer's back <laughs> Just I'm, like cicadas every 17 years. It's amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> Wait, what? Did, did I miss something? Is that happening? 
Yeah. J-Lo and Ben Affleck. Which After the pandemic. Also, All right. This is tangential, but I do have to say that watching Ben Affleck on the struggle bus throughout all the pandemic, just like the rest of us, has really <laughs> brought me a lot of joy. Dropping <laughs> like, his Amazon packages into his Dunkin' Donuts delivery. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. And uh, a now a very independent movie that not a lot of people know about, especially our <laughs> listeners. John Lithgow, Cameron Diaz, uh, Edward Murphy. And Michael Myers. Wait, it's number one of the box office this week. Maybe you heard of this movie. It's called Trek. DreamWorks Pictures invites you to a land of fairy tales. Hey! Oh, no, 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 no. Dead girl off the table. Where is the pasta butter? The bed taken. What? Where an unlikely hero. Ah! You definitely need some Tic Tacs or something because your breath stinks. Rescues a fair princess. You didn't play the dragon? It's on my to-do list. From a nasty villain. Eat me! With the help of his trusty companion. This is gonna be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Shrek, everyone. Shrek. Shrek is out this week. Yes, it is love, life, and also new uh, 20 years ago this week. Yeah. Woo. So, um... I did not realize, oh, this is only the second DreamWorks computer animated CG film. Movie, yeah. Which they, they've been sort of, yeah, I mean, it started with Ants in 98. I mean, Prince of Egypt, Rodel Dorado, which they're like, okay, you know. Chicken Run, which is fucking rad, but right. not really but not theirs. Them. Yeah, it's an art. Yeah, movie. They're, just, they're just distributing it. And then Shrek, and if people, I feel like this is the movie that kind of made dreamworks it is i I don't i'm not i'm pretty sure this was kind of their cinderella moment if this didn't this wasn't profitable they might have backed off of animation entirely which would have changed the landscape of animation throughout the next 20 years wow And, and i just want to list a couple reasons why i hate it but don't so much right now but hated it as an animation nerd because you know back when you uh were a kid and you were a diehard fan of billion dollar companies only oh, play PlayStation. Like, shut up, you <laughs> nerd. Like, be a fan of people or characters, but not a company. And and Shrek came along and like trounced box office numbers and beat uh, Pixar at the Academy Awards to win the the, the, the very first the very first um, best animated film. Uh, and it and then it, it outgrossed Incredibles when it came out on. Uh, it beat all Incredibles records, and I was such a big Incredibles fan. Um, and I was like, ah, fucking Shrek, but the big one. And I don't want to talk about this too long, but it's, um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about blockbuster memories. I worked at Suncoast, the store that sold movies in malls, usually for $29.99 to $39.99 of $2,001. Uh, and and among, in that, that store, I would love to do a documentary on how they were so fucking awful and hated what they did so much that they would sell any aspect of the store. Uh, we got a stand of toys here. Like, fuck it. DirecTV wants to put a promo thing. Put that over there. Make sure everyone who uses a credit card, we try and upsell them on Sports Illustrated Entertainment Weekly, and, which is a huge scam. One of the worst policies they had is that they had really strict policies of what movies you could play in the store. And I'm sure Blockbuster had that too. And, mm-hmm. and you would think like, ah, oh, Disney's all good. Something had happened where like, Either Disney wouldn't allow us to play their movies in the store, or DreamWorks said, we will pay you to only show our movies. So I have seen Shrek 400,000 times on four TVs blaring all around me over and over and over again. That is part of my, because I have like every line memorized. None of it is funny to me. It's just something I work through. And Hmm. and, And so 
20 years removed from that, I got to watch it now. And my criticisms are way smaller than ever and way less angry than ever. So Shrek, you did, did you guys check it out? Did you rewatch it in honor of 30, 2010? I, I did. I realized I hadn't watched it for oh, probably at least 15 years or mm -hmm. something. You know, I, I really like Shrek one and two and mm -hmm. I don't like anything else. And <laughs> I've heard Shrek the halls is fun. I haven't seen it. I love Shrek the halls. I think it's great. And I just, it's like, it does so many things that I can't stand and yet they pull it off pretty well. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the references are really dated and a lot of them were dated at the time. It was like, yes. even in 2001, it was like a Macarena joke. That, that's what I remember. Macarena joke, uh, the Matrix parody. Matrix joke, And like yeah. WWE was so huge like two years ago and here's this giant wrestling sequence. Yeah. Uh, but, but whatever. Just, I, it's, it's. But I just love how freaking irreverent it is. Like, I, right. I mean, it's a fractured fairy tale turned into a whole thing. Steven Spielberg bought the rights to the book 10 years earlier mm -hmm. and was trying to figure out how the hell to make it. And it took a long time. I mean, Chris Farley had practically finished the movie when he mm -hmm. passed away. Yep. Yeah. You can still, there's, yeah, there's one video that came out, uh, was leaked five years ago where you can, it's the only dialogue we have of him in the role. Yeah. And, and that would have been so good <laughs> i think i love wow. mike myers more than the average human and i've been on this mm -hmm. podcast defending him up to and including some of the love guru <gasps> so yes believe me when i say i love mike myers more than most people and i just hate him in this i just it's it's just i've heard this character so many times um mm -hmm. it and it wasn't again all things removed my only real compl complaint about the original shrek is that it's ugly but it, but like Diana was saying, it's it's process of of when uh, when reading about it as a book, like it was a a book sending up Disney fairy tales in the time of the Disney Renaissance. Mm -hmm. So it's parodying this thing that no, you know, like adults are parodying, not kids stuff. And it's so this it's this irreverent book, and it does strike at the right time. Like the the last Disney movie, Disney's about to release Atlantis. Uh, because mm. it has no idea what it's doing as a company. It's old shit isn't working. And then Shrek comes along and like really drives the nail in the princess fairy tale coffin. <laughs> it's and, kind of serendipity, actually, the I way that so. that works out, honestly. Because, yeah, I remember seeing Shrek and absolutely loving it. And I mean, I'm like in high school at this point, but I have a little sister who's like of the age to where we are seeing a lot of animated stuff at this point. And normally I am always very annoyed by media for children. That is too much. Like we'll put something in there for you parents to enjoy. You here's know, a, here's a parody of a seventies game show. <laughs> rankles me, but this, they, I don't know. They do it so charmingly here that I, I'm not mad at it. And uh, yeah, I like Shrek. I, I think that there, I honestly think there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, the, it is very ugly, but I, I, is I just, that the point? No, I just think there's there's, yeah. there's so many things to think about when it comes to Shrek now because it means so many different things. Right. It 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 def it's the Mickey Mouse of DreamWorks animation. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it it by driving the nail in the sincere uh, fairy tale, it caused Disney to rethink how fairy tales were done, and we had another renaissance of those. And when they yeah. were they were trying to coexist that with Shrek, is, I'm like that looked oh, really weird. That is a really good point. Mm -hmm. Would would Tangled be Tangled? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Or, or or even um, what's it called? The Ice Queen one. Uh, Frozen. 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 Thank you. I don't know why I was sticking. On. Yeah, where they have a certain level of self awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, to 
I, I think we can thank Shrek for that. Yeah. I mean, the animation, does it hold up? I mean, yeah, some of it's intentionally ugly, and that's cool. I, I watched yeah, some Toy, of it, like, I, I watched Toy Story 1 in 4K recently. It yeah. looks way better than this. And part of that, mm. a little bit of that is the setting in choosing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. use a lot of human characters, which you should never do in yeah. CG as it moves forward, and then a lot of beiges and grays because it's old-timey fairy tale world. Yeah, there's just, things are very rubbery. Things are very rubbery texture. Too. Rubbery mm-hmm. texture, mm-hmm. and then like they don't, they really don't do much with the camera. And you get a sense there's a crowd sequence, and that should clue you in on like how young CG is at this point. Because Lord Farquaad is addressing his subjects, and there are like nine people in the crowd because, and it's just all dirt and stone with the same <laughs> texture. That's how old this movie looks sometimes. But I'm not saying that as a strike against it because this is DreamWorks finding its legs uh, and, yeah. and, and, and to make to go on to make, uh, I think, better looking movies. I don't know. like, But the phenomenon of Shrek has just come back to annoy me so many times. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, it annoys you because it's been co-opted by a generation you don't understand. No, no. I love that stuff. I love people like ironically loving Shrek and making Shrek memes. That's fine. But what I hate is seeing our local musical theater in San Francisco bought out for a week. So Shrek, the musical can come as if like these kids aren't quite boomers yet. They're not ready to drag their kids in anywhere. Cause they're fucking 20 and <laughs> they're not going to drag their kids. Shrek, the musical was a thing that like took over our musical scene in, in many cities because mm-hmm. I think they, o- yeah. they greatly overestimated its appeal. I love what you said about all the music from Shrek where like kids, like your stepson's age just love that shit now. It okay. Makes- so, my poor stepkid, his middle school years have been ruined, awful mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. So the only middle school dance he got to attend was his sixth grade middle school dance, which, like very lame parents, Sam and I chaperoned. <laughs> and when I tell you, when All Star came on at this dance, the screaming that oh. happened and running onto the dance floor of every single child screaming this song at the top of their lungs it was wild. I think I took a video and like sent it to you, Antista, because I was like, I've never seen anything like yeah, this. Yeah, I remember our, our, I grew up with our generation being told AHA's Take On Me is the worst song ever made. And like, okay, yeah. now I want to listen to it. Okay, you're wrong. And now yeah. anybody, it oh, comes yeah. on the radio all the time and everyone just loves it. And yeah, yeah. it's like there, there is that certain class of songs where it's like they're good, but they're mm-hmm. bad, but they're also good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ran yeah. by Flock. Yeah, amazing <laughs> yeah, I ran song. by Flock of Seagulls. Take on me. YMCA, probably for my generation. It's like it's bad, but it's also really good. Yeah, but it's bad. But and, it, and also, yeah, but I, I, love I be- it. believe All Star, a, a, a song the band never wanted to write and did in a week because they needed another "Walking on the Sun" for their new album. A temp track in Shrek, which the filmmakers didn't want, and then the <laughs> Smash Mouth didn't want it in the movie, and it and now it's the, like. <laughs> Uh, there, I, I'm getting a Facebook targeted ad for some festival that Smash Mouth is headlining, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just All Star. Oh, this soundtrack is crazy. I mean, this <laughs> yes. soundtrack is how I know who Rufus Wainwright is. <laughs> yeah, that that is the th- and that's what this movie does so well, and that's one of the reasons I I really can't stand, especially Shrek the Third, mm. is I'm cramming too much music in because this has an incredibly weird, diverse amount of music in it. I mean, we got the proclaimers in there. Joan Jett. This introduced <laughs> Joan Jett. We've got it. It introduced an entire several generations to hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. That is <laughs> fucking insanity. It's so crazy that Shrek did that. Yes. It's so crazy. 
<laughs> and also introduced like yeah. people to Rufus, Rufus Wainwright in his yeah. own right, like a very strange and wonderful artist and like extremely queer and extremely like yeah. just ugh, one of my favorite people. Like it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, and it's because I was rewatching this thinking like, why is Shrek and Smash Mouth? Why are they so put together and slice? It's because it's a really good sequence that mm-hmm. uses the music really well. It's our introduction to the character yeah. of him literally shitting on a fairy tale, kicking open a bathroom door, perfectly timed to the music. So and it's like, body. boom, <laughs> this is it. And I this think, is your movie. I think it's really imprinted on kids of a certain generation because if you grow up in a house with small children, you realize they like to watch the same thing over and over and over again. And also they fall asleep all the time. So like, I think there's a whole generation of children who have seen this intro with the song, probably (laughs) twice as many times as they've actually seen the whole movie. (laughs) I would would get more, I would get more annoyed by the monkey song at the end, which is also smash mouth. Uh, Working at Suncoast, because I had to hear it so many times. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Yeah, Uh, I'm thinking of also the Counting Crows cover is also Accidentally in Love? No. No. Didn't they do Pay Parking Lot? And put yeah. or pay paradise and put up a parking lot. They did, the but I don't think it's in this well? movie. No, oh, okay. No. Well, it's still horrible. So. Yep, I hate that cover. I hate it so much. Anyway, I will never stop pointing out that this is the only representative of the year two thousand and one that is in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. How was that fair? How was that happening? This is the only movie that is culturally historically or artistically significant from the year 2001. But I I have to give it credit because like as a growing up a Disney fan, like Aladdin changed my perception on what one of those movies could be because it steered towards comedy and like Disney Mm -hmm. didn't make its movies to be like comedies. They were high, serious Mm -hmm. dramas. And in hindsight, that's kind of dumb. What a waste of the medium. Like you could just film people in front of blue screens if that's what you, if you just wanted to look realistic and Shrek doesn't do any of that. It, it, and it's, I hmm. never connected the dot between Robin Williams and, say, Eddie Murphy in this. Yeah. Yeah. Just it, clearly improvising. That's so freaking obvious. Like, and, yeah, if, throwing if you, out jokes and seeing what the, sticks. The Chris Farley clip is of the, the onion sequence. The onions have layers. And, like, you can see how much of that is actually in the script and just Eddie Murphy being really good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it just not, he, he was in Milan, but he hadn't had, like, a really good and meaty animated role where he gets to just nonstop talk. Uh, yeah. And this is great because as, as a big Eddie Murphy fan, even Cameron Diaz is like incredibly well cast and so, especially John Lithgow. Uh, as- I was going to say John Lithgow. Yeah. Cameron Diaz is always a shrug for me, but mm-hmm. John Lithgow is so good mm-hmm. in this. Like <laughs> it just like perfectly cast, perfectly illustrated. I, but like- at the end of the day, my favorite voices in this movie and it is, it is the series because they don't develop until later on are always the Pinocchio characters and the gingerbread <laughs> man. I love Pinocchio. And, and I, I, <laughs> I'm a big Pinocchio fan Disney wise. And I should hate this, but I love his awful voice. I love. Uh, that's good. So Chris, how do you feel about the fan theory that donkey is one of the kids who was sent to pleasure Island in Pinocchio? Ooh, that's the only reason he should be there. Yeah, I I'd never thought of that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. why is there a talking donkey? There aren't fairy tales about talking donkeys. Like, all right. My real name's Lampwick. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. That, that's he escaped a, the salt mines. Good for him. The, yes, Pleasure Island, <laughs> Pleasure Island kid. That's wonderful. And then and then I do I do am one of those people that thinks Shrek is a other in, it, other than Antonio Banderas puss puss character. 
Uh, I think it's diminishing returns as far as that movie goes, which yeah. allegedly was supposed to wrap up this year with its fifth <laughs> movie. Thank you, COVID. It's not doing that now. But everything's pointing like, yeah, we want to make one last big old Shrek movie, which I feel is bizarre because like the same people, Sarah saying a generation of kids, I don't understand. Like it's, I just, Shrek was annoying to me. I didn't feel like the B movie stuff was hilarious. I still love, I shared a B movie meme yesterday, but <laughs> Shrek was just annoying always. But like, yeah, your kids who think they're young and into Shrek memes, they're about to get their 20 year later pandering. <laughs> with a fifth Shrek movie. They're like, and it's the last one. And by all accounts, it's not the last one. It's a relaunch. So they can relaunch oh. the movie for your kids, which you should be having right, right now. I think there is a certain part of me that's like trashing a younger generation's thing, but that younger generation is about to get their pandering, long-awaited fifth sequel very, very soon. And let's mm -hmm. see if it's good or sad, because if it's not sad and it's profitable, you're going to get more. I'm pretty shocked they stopped with Shrek 4. Because it's, uh, why was that the conclusion? Forever After. Uh, or is that the third one? I cannot remember. No, Forever After is the fourth one. Okay. Yeah, why would that? Why would they stop there? Because, like, they've, they've made more kung fu. No, I guess all the DreamWorks movies have reached three and kind of stopped. Okay. Yeah. But they, yeah, they've been trying to do trilogies. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but Shrek, it was not as bad as I thought it was. And it's a good harbinger of where theatrical animation will go in a direction that I do like in DreamWorks yep. movies that I do like more. Uh, it has a better sense of action and scale and comedy, especially. So everything yeah. I like about Kung Fu Panda and a little, again, in this movie, they, they really treat it. They really treat the camera like a camera way too often. Like this is a mm -hmm. fucking cartoon. Why <laughs> is this camera on the ground all the time? Like, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it's a harbinger too of like where we are seeing family entertainment going as well like really leaning yes. into that like there's something for everyone like parents will laugh too i mean that really did start with aladdin with the genie but um I, we're I really had that... seeing it come to fruition here and then going forward i had that in my notes to, for everywhere. parents to bring their kids there again and again they have to like it and i when i revisited some movies that my parents took me to don't want to single out care bears i like i watched it and like <laughs> i'm like i am Mom, I am so sorry for doing that to you 20 years ago. This thing is fucking terrible. And how could you sit mm -hmm. through how could you sit through this for 90 minutes with no phone in your hand? I am so mm -hmm. sorry. Where <laughs> none of you who were taken as Shrek as kids have to do that for your parents because they were very entertained mm -hmm. too. And I think that's how you end up making a billion dollars. Rather than a exactly. hundred million dollar week one hundred million dollar weekend, you make a billion dollars by entertaining everyone who shows up, as all animation should do. And has a billion done. dollars is cooler. We all know this. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but Shrek, everyone, Shrek, let us know what you think. Because I think I, I think I was the only one coming in with any negative baggage for Shrek. Mm -hmm. But as you can yeah. see, like I was and practically tortured not, with it. It's not the movie's fault no. that that happened to you, Chris. No. <laughs> No, but it's, it's, it is the movie's fault that it's ugly and has lazy parodies. But no other yeah, animated movie was doing that at the time. At the time. Well, no. some of them are kind of lazy. It's two years after guess... Scary Movie's parody of The Matrix, and they did the same yeah, I'm thing. I'm sorry. But also, too, doesn't animation take a while? It does. So mm, It yep. does. Yep. I think my only real complaint about the whole movie is something uh, plenty of other people have pointed out. that The message of the movie is, you know, it's what's inside the counts, like be mm. yourself. And you shouldn't make fun of people's outsides, but everyone makes fun of how short Farquaad is. Yes. Damn. Like, yeah, you got a point. I mean, Whoa. he is like a bad person on the inside, so you should make fun of him. But not for the outside stuff. Make fun of him because he killed Mama Bear. Yeah. 
Damn. I still laugh every time the gingerbread man says, eat me, and spits in his face. (laughs) I I think that's like one of the animators. It was one of those things where it's like, it's the temp track, and they just like the voice so much they keep it. It's like, not my gumdrop buttons. The Muffin Man. Um. (laughs) (laughs) The Muffin Man? Yes, I love that whole sequence. Okay, see, not not a total Shrek hater. Just uh, had to watch it a lot against my will. As if I was babysitting no one because no one was coming in that store buying a DVD standard definition for $40. Glad you're gone, Suncoast. No nostalgia. 2001 television, uh, May 14th through through the 20th. It gets even fucking crazier, if you can imagine. Let's take a hard pivot here. Um, (laughs) Get the kids out of the room now. I wanted to put this up front because... We're going to talk about one of the best episodes of television of all time, mm-hmm. one Ooh. of the best monologues of all time, and we're talking about The West Wing, Two Cathedrals. This is the season two finale of The West Wing. I mentioned last week that in the previous episode, Miss Landingham died. She was killed by a drunk driver, and while this is happening, and she was like, you know, one of President Bartlett's like closest confidants, had been with him for a very long time. And while all this is going on, the whole staff is grappling with how do we approach this idea of, you know, the president having MS and keeping that from the American people. What are we going to do with this information? And is he running again? Is he going to run for re-election in light of all of this? So it is a very fraught episode. It is so good. The episodes like run through with flashbacks to President Bartlett growing up and where he first met Miss Cunningham, who she was a secretary for his father when his father was a headmaster of a boarding school. And so you get to see how close and deep their relationship was. And then you flash back to her funeral at the National Cathedral. Sorry, I'm a little verklempt because this episode is so good. So, but what people remember this episode for is for President Bartlett's monologue in the turn. Streaming at Jesus while smoking a cigarette? Yeah, way to spoil it. But <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's a monologue in the purest sense because I pulled the clip. It's a little bit long, but I do think it's worth it. It's a beautiful piece of acting. It's a beautiful piece of writing. And it's truly a monologue. With a, It is a man alone yelling at God, which is, again, with what I talked about with Seinfeld, like this is what people who try out for drama scholarships or whatever, this is Mm. what that's made of. Like, this is what these people are trying to go for. And it's just so fantastic. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like it always, this this was my audition for CSI Jacksonville. Well, I did not get, but (laughs) you have too many teeth to really land that role. So (laughs) Jacksonville burn. Uh, But yeah, this clip is great. One of my favorite scenes in the entire show. You're a son of a bitch, you know that? <laughs> she bought her first new car and you hit her with a drunk driver. What? Is that supposed to be funny? You can't conceive, nor can I, of the appalling strangeness of the mercy of God, says Graham Greene. I don't know whose ass he was kissing there, because I think you're just vindictive. What was Josh Lyman? A warning shot? That was my son. What did I ever do to yours but praise his glory and praise his name? There's a tropical storm that's gaining speed and power. They say we haven't had a storm this bad since you took out that tender ship of mine in the North Atlantic last year. 68 crew. You know what a tender ship does? Fixes the other ships. Doesn't even carry guns. Just goes around, fixes the other ships, and delivers the mail. That's all it can do. Gracias, Tibiago Domine. Thank you. Yes, I lied. It was a sin. I've committed many sins. Have I displeased you, you feckless thug? (laughs) 3.8 million new jobs. That wasn't good. 
bailed out Mexico, increased foreign trade, 30 million new acres of land for conservation, put Mendoza on the bench. We're not fighting a war. I've raised three children. That's not enough to buy me out of the doghouse. Hey, Kratom, Adeo Pio, Adeo Justo, Adeo Shito, Cruciatos in Crucia, Tuis in Terra Servos, Nuntias Fui, Officium Perfecce, Cruciatos in Crucia, Eas in Crucia. So good. I mean, you know you're mad when you're yelling in Latin, right? <laughs> is that what that was? I thought I would need to scream that for the audience. Like, surely some of this speaks Spanish, whatever this is. Oh, fuck. It's <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And I mean, at the end, he's talking like you get Hoynes, his vice president, basically like, look, I've done the best I could. Like, I've done everything. And you've taken this like person from me that's really important. And like, so you're going to get my vice president. Then I'm not going to run anymore. Even though I've done all this. Martin Sheen is a gift. I just love mm. him so much. Yeah, this was, is had a, one of the best pieces of TV acting the, ever. The phrase, just the two-word phrase, "feckless thug." Ooh, <laughs> God, girl, <laughs> so good. And you know wow. what? Didn't do shit. Goddamn pussy. Uh, anyway. I mean, <laughs> I, and I, I like to make fun of Sorkin a lot because he's often silly, but this is very good. This is why he's good. <laughs> <laughs> and directed by Tommy Shlamy. <laughs> My favorite TV director of all time. Um, speaking of our favorite TV shows, and I swear this isn't necessarily r- rooted to our age. This is the golden age of television. I was having mm-hmm. a conversation with someone who wasn't Sarah, who was rewatching what? West Wing, and is just like, this <laughs> is still one of the best TV shows on television yeah. uh, ever made. And the, the Sopranos, I, I just don't want to argue that with anyone anymore. If you haven't seen it, you should. No. It looks this and the West Wing, I think, shot on film, so they still look very good. The th- it's the third season finale of The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. And it's an eventful one, even though it's, uh, yeah, not a lot of like rampant death of uh, characters you care about. Yeah, I mean, the, first big, time. the big death that happens yeah. is uh, the death of Jackie. He gets knocked off. Yeah, um, in a snow pile because he deserved yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Because he deserved it. Hey, it, man, it, you want to play gangster, you're going to. You're gonna pay. You gotta play by gangster rule. I mean, it's literally, he's fuck around and find out. That's mm-hmm. what happens to Jackie Jr. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, this is a episode where not a lot happens, but it's a great wrapping up episode, and it still sets up a lot of great stuff for the next season. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing about this episode is we get to see Michael K. Williams, who's one of my favorite actors, and he. I just listened to his WTF with Mark Barron, where he talks about like he got this role and he has had issues in the past with substance abuse and this role was instrumental with getting him on the wire which you know really saved his life and so i was just so happy to see him on my screen because i totally forgot that he's in this episode but it's a good one one of the themes in this episode is that you have your capital f family the mob family they're dealing with upheaval and tony i think is like trying to deal with like managing everyone's expectations and egos and then you have the small f family where AJ is being a little fucking shit and (laughs) gets caught cheating at school and, you know, they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And this fight between, it's not a fight, but this scene that I pulled of Tony yelling at AJ, I think is a culmination of Tony's like frustration with people who work for him, people who are under him, his son, mm-hmm. his like his really fake sons <laughs> who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And oof, it's so good. Permanent expulsion. I prayed I would never see this. Even I've managed to get through school without getting expelled. 
You know, maybe it's a, a blessing. Well, I don't see how that could be. The place was too loose. It was too easy. How can you say that? I got expelled. You got nothing to say till I tell you. Unless I ask you a direct question. Tony. I work hard all day to pay for this. 6,000 square foot house, big screen TVs, food on the table, video games, all kinds of scooters and bicycles. <laughs> Columbia University. And for what? To come home to this? Sucks to be you. Ooh. I forgot about Sam that. Sam and I watched this episode like right before we started recording, mm-hmm. and I, I absolutely no, do do not believe in laying a hand on a child ever, no matter. No, what. AJ has never been hit other than but that. But mm-hmm. I paused it after that. Haven't I turned Sam? And I was like, I would never ever hit a child or our child or whatever but i kind of get it (laughs) aj's being such a little shit there like that is a such a visceral feeling and it's i think it's a culmination of everything that like tony's been feeling about like trying to handle everyone's emotions everyone's bullshit there's a lot of people i can't slap at work i'm gonna take it on you kid yeah so do you guys remember the end of the episode with junior singing the song in the restaurant I think oh, I think yeah. I think I told you about okay. that scene. I was showing my grandfather, and like you might like the show, and he's not a big fan of mafia movies. He is very old yeah. school Italian. Does not like that depiction of Italians. Uh, he's long gone. That has been like eight years ago. And then Corrado came out and started singing that song, and my grandfather. This is the first episode we showed him. Starts singing along with him. Uh, Corrado. I just remember it because he knew all the words in Italian. Uh, and, and he's like, can I, I need to see all this show. I never thought I'd see this song on a show ever. And <laughs> well, I, it's two things that are interesting about that real quick is that a, um, the actor who plays Do- uh, Uncle June is Dominic named. Genius. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that he put out an album? Yes, Calypso album. Yeah. He, well, he put what? out an album before this yeah. episode, and then after this, two years after this episode, he put out another album with like this song on it. <laughs> it's it's it it never ceases oh? to be horribly ironic to me that 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 guy is totally with it and still Dominic Ginezi or whatever his name is, and we lost mm-hmm. Tony, his his yeah. his nephew. It, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like that guy's yeah. still good. It's very upsetting. But also at the end of the episode, he's singing the song and then mm-hmm. it over the same footage, mm-hmm. you start to hear music in other languages. Like you mm-hmm. you you hear like a Asian person singing, like I don't know if it's the same song or a different song and then like someone singing in Spanish and anyone know what that means? Like what's know. up with that? What's the meaning of that? I don't know. I didn't watch this episode. Okay. Um, just curious if if this is like some let weird us know, thing that I like just don't get like some of the dream sequences or whatever. Just very curious. But also in this episode too, uh, a agent befriends Adriana, which that's uh, right, sets it... up something for later on that's going to be <laughs> because bad. It, it was Craft Girl. Uh, what's her name from Return? Yeah, it's going to be Fruza Bulk. Yeah, it was Fruz. It is Fruza Bulk. When you saw the show, it was her, and they replaced her in all the reruns. Uh, no. Not unlike George's first dad in Seinfeld, but they replaced her in between the seasons. But like, yeah, if you were watching the premiere, you saw Fruza Bulk becoming friends with Adriana as an F- undercover FBI agent, which is really I would have loved that. It's still like a, an awful and underhanded way to come at the mafia, like through this relatively like innocent non-related person like why ruin her life why jeopardize her life hey, how often does the mob threaten people's families yeah, yeah and also like she reaps the benefits yeah, I guess. she's totally involved she knows all kinds of shit i exactly. guess i suppose she's not a, a bystander i, I feel I like she aid. was and, and, and i wish that aid and christopher could just have 
rolled off into the sunset, <laughs> never to be harmed again, just like live a beautiful, happy life together. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, she's deeply involved. Come on. Okay. Okay. And then my favorite clip of the week, Saturday Night Live, your musical guest, Weezer, doing hash pipe. And your host, Christopher Walken. Lots of great stuff here. Obviously, it's a Walken return. Uh, he's doing his second Continental in 20 years. <laughs> or, sorry, his second guy, he'd done it when he hosted like a year or two ago, so it's not as special, but it's still really fun. But my, my favorite sketch of maybe this whole year of SNL is him conducting a job interview with Chris Parnell, who is also a centaur. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very simple scene, and it, it's one of my favorite comedic performances of Chris Walken. If you hear the audience laugh and you don't know why, it's because he's doing things with his face that are awesome. As I said, your qualifications are most impressive. Thank you. Now, would you mind if I ask you a few questions about being a centaur? Please, go ahead. Believe me, I've heard them all. Can I ride you? (laughs) Only if I can ride you. (laughs) Fair enough. Moving on. Could you enter yourself in the Kentucky Derby? I don't know. If you did. Would you have to have a little horse riding on you, like, instead of a jockey? I I see what you're saying, but again, I really don't know. Because it seems like you already have a jockey with the person part of you. Right. Um, Are we going to discuss my medical qualifications? The rest of the interview will be centaur questions. (laughs) Do you have sex with horses or with human women? Uh, neither. I'm really only attracted to other centaurs. Okay. What, what if it was a horse with a mask of a woman on it? No. I mean, would you have sex with a monkey if it had a mask on? This interview is not about me. <laughs> Love that sketch so fucking much. Learn about what an Albesian is and watch the sketch for yourself. It is, it is available on YouTube on SNL's channel. There are so many finales this week. Where do we even start? Friends, one-hour season finale? Yeah, the one, the one with, with Monica, Monica and Chandler's wedding. It's Woo. a great episode. A lot of shit happens during it. Um, but most importantly, Gary Oldman spits in Joey Turbiani's face, and that's the most important thing that happens. <laughs> But no, this is, I mean, of course they get married, but this is also where we find out that Rachel's pregnant. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it's with, great. Winona Ryder's baby? I forget who she was hooking up with at the time. Yes, yes, uh, Winona Ryder's baby. Uh, and <laughs> other finales to look out for, the Baywatch finale. It's the oh, Baywatch wow. season 11 finale or the Baywatch Hawaii season two finale, depending I, on how you look at it. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. But it's run for 11 seasons. 11 seasons of people without premium cable masturbating. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh, Moesha wow. also ends this week, but then lives a happy life on TBS for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. uh, Moesha I ends this week. I did not realize. Yeah, it runs six years. That's a lot longer yeah. than I thought it did. But Fully syndicatable. Uh, but I did not have this channel, so I wasn't watching it. Um, nor was yeah. I watching Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place, their finale. It's the Ryan Reynolds yeah. show. Yep. Yeah. First, it was just called Two Guys and a Girl. Then it was Two Guys and a Girl in a Pizza Place. Or it was the other way around. I don't know. Around like four years. Mm-hmm. I think That's it ended as run. Two Guys and a Girl. Right. I 
I, I and I tried to look up all these finales. Like, by the way, like I think the Baywatch thing is a finale, but like any David Hasselhoff, Pamela Anderson, even Yasmin Belith, they are all gone from this show. I don't know who these people mm. are. I tried to look into the all that finale, but uh, Keenan and Kel were long gone, and I didn't yep. know that. You know who they added to that season to replace Keenan and Kel? Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy, a, a man who is. <laughs> Considerably older than me. <laughs> yeah, it was added to this children's sketch comedy show. But I guess most of these people were entering their 20s, too, at this point. Mm-hmm. They And it's the all that series finale, but like the show is still popular. I think Nickelodeon just didn't want to pay these kids anymore for a seventh mm-hmm. season. So they rebooted the next year with none of the same cast members. Mm-hmm. So we'll never hear of Amanda Bynes or Nick Cannon again. And the the one I really wanted to look into, directed by Aaron Norris, all relation, Walker, Texas Ranger finale, two-part finale, a show I, I really someday want to see if I can get really high with friends and enjoy in full. No. Um, you don't think so? No. It, I, d- I think you're better off just searching out, like, fun compilations. Yeah, that, those Conan yeah. clips are so much fun. Um, yeah. But- yeah, the only time I've ever seen an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger in full was on a road trip with my parents where we were spending the night, and I want to say Beaver Creek, Colorado, in, like, a Western-themed hotel. Whoa. And Ooh. somehow this is, like, the only thing playing on TV, which thematically works. Yeah. yeah. You know, Western wear, a lot of cowboy boots and, you know, weird people walking around in fringe jackets. <laughs> um, yeah, that, well, that, that ends and it, it's, it's, it crosses over time and it's too boring to talk about because I don't really know the show that well. But uh, I would love it if someone could chime in with any authority on the Walker, Texas Ranger family. That would, <laughs> mm-hmm. that would, it, that would intrigue me to no end. And a, a really good movie, and I hope you can still find it. Conspiracy, the HBO TV movie uh, with Kenneth Branagh, Stanley Tucci, and Colin Firth. Yeah. Um, I forget who brought this to my attention. It was because of something happening in the news recently, semi-recently, Trump era. Um, mm. But just the the little talk that starts to happen with the Nazis, like how what what if we tried this with the Jews, and then mm-hmm. slowly gets into mass genocide. Uh, yeah. Despite how yeah. many people pretend to be uncomfortable with it at the table. It yeah. Well, like- yeah, it's it's about the one C conference, which is actually a bunch of the Nazi high command. Yes. Try to figure out. So, OK, so we hate Jews and we've rounded them up and we put them to work in slave labor camps and stuff. But we still have too many of them. And what should we do? What if we lose the war or the Jews get out again? What was the point of all this? Yeah. And and, and it's really about. I mean, that's one of the most interesting things, especially is like Colin Firth's character mm-hmm. who keeps saying, no, we have to follow the law. Mm-hmm. And the law says we can kill them this way. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, that's going to work too slowly. And he's like, hey, 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 don't ever say I don't hate Jews as much as you. And I want to kill them just as badly as you do. But we have to make sure we do this legally under our German law about how much we hate Jews. And that's a really chilling through line of like, it can't be immoral if it's not illegal. It's mm-hmm. like, no, it very much can be yes. immoral when you're like, oh, well, we could load them into trucks and then we just put the exhaust pipes into the truck and just drive them around for a while and we can just kill a bunch of people that way. Hmm. That's, well, I think we need to be more efficient. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I never, I, I hate the title conspiracy because it should be called like a normal conversation because <laughs> that's, that's what it, 
is. It's a normal conversation yeah. for people who didn't realize the logical extreme they were going to back themselves into the corner of. Yeah. And, and... The, they, the whole, I mean, my one complaint about it is I rewatched it a while back mm -hmm. and my complaint about it is that it presupposes you understand what the Holocaust is, which yes. a lot of people don't anymore. And that they're talking about millions of people. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of like, theoretically speaking, should we put them in a pit and then throw grenades in it? Or <laughs> it's like, you're talking about people. Hmm. Yeah. And this is just sort of the normal everyday. Oh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Just mm -hmm. asking questions. We're just talking here. I'm just asking questions like Tucker Carlson. Yeah. That leads <laughs> to uh, horrific things. So. Yes. Yeah, it's a and it's a solid movie. It's it is really well. It done. is and it is Good on acting. HBO Max. Yeah. I, I know. I last time I saw it was on Amazon. Um, yeah. Whew, wow. Hard pivot to the games. Hey hey, come on over, have some fun with Crazy Taxi. Yeah, oh god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never get tired of playing <laughs> that sound clip. The one of three songs, Crazy Taxi License. It's out on PS2. Yeah, it's not Dreamcast. Uh, I, I also, I don't, but out on Dreamcast is Giga Wing 2 and Project Justice, uh, the Rival School sequel from Capcom. And a game I never heard of, but I am dying to play. I would love to play the first person shooter, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Trial by Fire, based on the Disney movie. Um, oh. Yeah, there's a first. Only for PC, so let me know how I can get on that, people. But we will talk more about that in depth on patreon.com slash laser time with the video game apocalypse boys. But let's close out of 2001 because we still have 2011 ahead of us, people. We'll close out with a Weezer's Island in the Sun uh, off of that. The green album, I believe, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but stay right there. We still got a lot more cool stuff to tell you about. Folks, you know us here at the Laser Time Network. We consume a lot of content for quote-unquote research purposes. <laughs> From games to TV shows to movies, we're always online downloading something, streaming something. But there are times when it's nearly impossible to access a piece of content you want because it isn't available in the U.S. for whatever reason. Oh, those things like annoying licensing deals, geo-restricted servers, or platforms that are just not available in your location make it next to impossible to get your hands on the stuff you want. Hey, that's why we couldn't be happier that NordVPN is our sponsor today, and they provide an easy-to-use workaround for all these problems. With over 5,400 servers in 59 countries, they can always find a server to get us access to the game, shows, and movies. We need to do our job. It could not be any simpler to use either. With their AutoConnect feature, you can instantly access the fastest VPN solutions out there across a variety of devices, including PC, Android, iOS, Mac, and even more. Hey, maybe even Android TV. Just open a map, click on a location, and you'll be connected in seconds. It is that easy. Is there a game or movie or TV show not available in your country? It's not a problem anymore. Just change your virtual location for access to a variety of international storefronts. You can even do this to access different streaming platforms that may not be available in your home country. Talking to you, Canada. You can find discounts on games, lower streaming subscriptions, and even take advantage of international sales and pricing. So how do you get on this? Easy. Go to nordvpn.com slash laser time or use the coupon code laser time to get a two-year plan plus one additional month with a huge discount. And hey, they even have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. Once again, go to nordvpn.com slash laser time to use the code laser time, one word, to get a two-year plan plus one additional month at a huge discount. Thank you, NordVPN. <laughs> Mr. 
Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of May 14th through 20th, I got weird recommends. I mean, we talked about movies that are basically sort of classics already. Uh, I mean, I feel like Shrek is kind of a classic in its own way. Uh, and so is What About Bob? Damn it. So uh, I got some light recommends of kind of smaller movies. Next week is literally... The regular show is packed with classics, and I don't even know if I'm doing a classic corner next week. So let me just get these out of the way now. 40 years ago this week saw the release of Chariots of Fire, which a lot of people dismiss as like a pretty boring Oscar bait movie. And it is, but it's also like a real good sports movie. And there are a lot of sports movies about running that actually make running, well, honestly, iconic. That opening is fucking iconic. And the rest of the movie is pretty good. I just, yeah, it's one of those just sort of kind of gotten forgotten, except for like, one part. Eh, it's worth it. Like, if you like sports movies, give it a shot. And then 50 years ago this week saw the release of a cult horror comedy classic. Uh, getting into the latter part of Vincent Price's career is the 50th anniversary of 1971's Abominable Dr. Fibes, which I don't know why I was thinking about The Fly the other day, and I kind of want to throw that out there. It's like, also, oh shit, the original Fly is like really good. But The Abominable Dr. Fives is about evil Vincent Price, also with Joseph Cotton and Terry Thomas is in there. Hugh Griffith is in there. And he's super pissed off about these guys that like messed with his wife. And so he's going to start murdering them in the style of the Ten Plagues. This would be a good watch for Passover. It's a weird, you know, kind of British 70s cult classic. So Bone Old Dr. Fives from 1971, Chariots of Fire 1981. They're both British. They don't have a lot in common besides that. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Special, something special for me. It's way too many suckers in the VIP. Tell me, do you wanna kick it in the backseat? I wanna get Coming to twenty eleven with backseat by new boys off too cool to care. And that's how I feel about knowing about the New Boys. Yeah. <laughs> With the New Boys. I think this might be the last New Boys album, too. No! It's been around a while. Yeah. Oh. We hardly knew ye. Yeah. All right. The old New Boys album. Okay. Uh, also new releases out during May 14th to the 20th of 2011. Destroyed by Moby. Rome by Danger Mouse. And uh, Danielle Lupi. And Simple Math by Manchester Orchestra. Uh, so take your pick. Something for everyone that week. And E.T. by Katy Perry featuring Kanye West is still number one. Hey, how about some news to bring you to the world of 2011 this week? Uh, country stars Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert, they married this week forever. I mean, for four years. They, they married just long enough to make a lot of music about their relationship and their divorce. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's Ooh, gonna be great. Lordy. Mm. Do they make competing music about their divorces? That'd be wonderful. I'm pretty sure. And then, uh, spoiler alert, later on, he gets together with Gwen Stefani. Is yeah. that the same guy? Okay. Yeah. I don't and, like it. And uh, <laughs> and then also this week, news breaks that our patron saint, Arnold Schwarzenegger, has had a kid with his housekeeper 14 years earlier. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. I, I tipped him pretty big that year. Yeah, Wait, was she still his housekeeper? I don't know. I thought they still had like some kind of working relationship, and like I think perhaps, yeah. I'm only saying and... this because I, I watched Last Action Hero last weekend for not this nope. show for no reason, and it's okay. the only movie I remember Maria Shriver being in because she plays his wife at the end of the movie, and I'm like, man, I wish this house. This is like right when he's giving birth to the house. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, goodness. Is so awkward. Yeah, and it leads to the, the end of their marriage, which had been going for a long time. And it was so, I mean, it was already so weird because she, like, had her own career. Plus, she's a Kennedy. So and close it's to like, being a Kennedy. What, yeah. And, like, he's been governor. And it's just all so, my God, his story sounds made up. <laughs> Yeah. You yes. Really yes. Think about it. It, it it sucks that we've been it's living so through all up. this, but like, if you saw a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger's story, you would never believe it. Mm-hmm. It's impossible yep. to believe. There's no way the public would readily accept someone like this just for being muscular, and we did. Yeah. Think twice about quitting that Drax role, uh, Dave Batista. Uh, and- <laughs> that would be so strange if Arnold Schwarzenegger, sixty-something Arnold Schwarzenegger, came in. <laughs> yeah, I can do this. Like, I can just put the red on my nipples right there. Yes, uh, man. I don't know how I'm supposed to segue to this next movie. Holy Ooh, shit. Okay, uh, so movies of 2011. Right. Uh, uh, so we have not just a bad movie, but a movie that only exists so that you can brag if you made it through it or not. An Ew. ordeal of a movie called we, a Serbian film. We did a laser time with our buddy Kevin about actual banned films. And when you yes. bring up the term banned films, America has found a really nice way of having capitalism banned most of its films. The government has almost, especially never in our lifetime, stepped in and said, you cannot see this film. The rest of the world... Not so much when it came to a Serbian film. It's mm-hmm. it's content kept it out of AMC Lowe's and off of Blockbuster shelves and away from Netflix and Amazon. But yep. uh, entirely out of Australia, New Zealand, Spain, Norway, Singapore. Yes, it, Malaysia. It, as far as I could tell, this is the most modern band film of all time. Yes, from government and specifically, with a really, really good reason. Mm-hmm. Because the whole movie is about this guy who's down on his luck in serbia and he gets hired to be in a film and then the whole rest of the movie is just the most extreme sexual violence that there is yes he's a for- he's is... a former porn star i think make wanting to make one last score and agrees yeah. to do a movie and... but there will but then he finds out oh there will be pedophilia and snuff uh in this yeah. movie and we get to see it and uh yeah <laughs> yeah there is a fuck ton of sexual assault and there is a whole ton of violence and there's violence against women and there's incredible degradation of just everyone involved. And uh, it's obviously controversial for a lot of reasons. People being like, oh, you're just prudish. This is making a point about politics in Serbia. And then I, I saw saying, his quote. It's it's a metaphor yeah. for how the Serbian government. Well, maybe don't. We don't need to relive your trauma through your metaphor. And right. And then wank, 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 wank I, is Sarah's a... sort of saying with her. <laughs> making, yeah. I'm making the universal jack off yeah. No, no, yeah. sorry. And, and Not to there's the movie, another, but to what that guy's saying, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And then there's another really good quote from a Serbian actor saying, like, the guy who made this movie, you know, he's, he's a rich boy's son. Daddy made his money in the 90s. He left Serbia. And then he comes back and he indicts the entire country with this bullshit and it's like you you don't even know what being serbian is like why are you painting the whole country as being filled with garbage people who are just the worst it's like all of eastern europe's really taken a beating in the last and, and, 20 years yeah and, and the title alone is like what a cruel thing to do to your country <laughs> yeah well, yeah I'm thinking of this yeah. movie. It's a Serbian film, and then you accidentally Google that. Boom! They've ru- you've ruined the entire nation, uh, the entire yeah. medium I've, of film in Serbia. Yeah, I I feel at least American movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like is an Fantastic. American movie about America and represents us pretty well. In that um, we all want to be famous, and we're all also incompetent. 
Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if if you made a movie called, you know, a French film and it was just a bunch of dudes in striped shirts and berets with baguettes, like smoking, Mm -hmm. you'd be pretty uh, French people would be pretty pissed off, too. So, uh, yeah, I I seriously considered, all right, I'm going to try to watch this. And then I realized, no, I don't have to do that to myself. No, No. our listeners don't need to hear about it. It'd literally only be for bragging rights to be like, yeah, yep. I made it through it. Wow, that was fucking gross. I, I believe our friend Kevin, who like lives for trash cinema, like hasn't done it either. Like it's just, it's not, that's not the point of trash cinema. And not, no, not to torture I, you I as would, a film goer. I feel it's, like I would artistically get more out of all of the human centipede movies. <laughs> but I'm sorry, is there a storyline yeah. at all? Yes, it's a narrative film. It's him being made to do these terrible things it's a, okay. down in his luck porn star brought in for one what he's told right, is right, one right. last score okay and uh yeah and, and it, it turns out it is extremely violent snuff film bad things you are know, done you know he I, does horrible things to his own family members it's really uh you know you know what i children did children are getting hurt it's just you don't want to just I, don't I, I, who's I did Who's something distributing this like, oh, that's that's the... and that's that's sort of like why you don't really have banned films, because like most people in America wouldn't touch this. They wouldn't release it. They wouldn't distribute it on DVD, let alone have it for rent on Amazon. Like so there's like almost no way for this to get out other than piracy here. So this the filmmaker can't really make any money off this. Um, but another, yeah, again, like, other no, governments straight need... up banned it. And yeah, uh, pedophilia, necrophilia. You know, oh, what, no. you know what it's I looked just, up, Diane, and you'll you think, can get behind me think on this. Of the worst shit ever. Make it even worse. Yeah. Just I don't. looked up, Diana. No. Like, you know what? There is a person I will listen to when it comes to trash film. If John Waters has anything positive to say about this film, <laughs> I will go look for it. And I didn't find him saying anything about a Serbian film. There's a couple of lectures I didn't go through to see if he mentioned it in a sentence or two. But if he's not going to bat for this, good night. I've heard him talk glowingly about Salo, and I've watched all his movies. So uh, I, I, he, I know he can find redemption in a lot of stuff. And if he's not going to bat for it, I don't need to go to bat for it. So didn't watch that. Good shit. point. Yep. And uh, what I, 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 I did watch, I fell asleep years ago watching Hobo with a Shotgun. And it's fine. But it is also like, it is, man, Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino made good on their contest of sorts uh for grindhouse because that was one of the that was the the amateur trailer winner and they put the trailer hobo with the shotgun in the grind in between a grindhouse double feature along with the trailers made by uh rob zombie and edgar wright and hobo with the shotgun won their award and rugger hour got to star in the movie version and it is pretty much what you think of a movie called hobo with a shotgun would be it's what you think it's it's right says it right there on the label you know it is a grindhouse type movie about a homeless guy he's also like he protects kids he uh tries to stop some bum fights type guys from exploiting homeless people see up until up until serbian film that was the most grotesque film project i've ever been involved in viewing this bum fights but let's Mm. let's just not talk about that let's talk about the adaptation of the famous midway nfl blitz arcade series uh, Blitz <laughs> is out this week with Jason Statham, and uh, I, that is not what the movie's about. Uh, but uh, Patty Considine and Aiden Gillen, yeah, who mm. are both hey, it's that guys you'd recognize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aiden Gillen was Littlefinger on uh, Game of Thrones. Littlefinger, it's like it's a pretty straight across the board, uh, very gray, bleak cop drama. 
got pretty good reviews. I don't even think it came to the U.S. because they make a lot of these. Sometimes they're for TV, like the Red Riding series, which were, I finally finished. Those were really good. But bleak as fuck. And it uh, seems like this more of the same. It's it's restrained Statham. He's not setting everyone on fire, Statham. Okay. Okay. And uh, Yeah, I don't know. Put it in the comments if it turns out Blitz is a classic and we need to watch yes, it. Yes, and, and what I really want to know from the comments, because like, I could not stand this next movie. And <laughs> I was curious, what is the worst Pirates of the Caribbean movie? And because uh, I like the first three a lot, and uh, uh, this is this is the movie where they they like oh god, Andrew, Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley were just slowing the series down, and let's just let's do a whole movie focused on Johnny Depp's uh, pirate character, which I can't think of the name of, even though we talked about it all last. I'm just kidding. It's Jack Sparrow, <laughs> um, uh, Jeffrey Rush, Kevin uh, McNally, Ian McShane, Penelope Cruz. And Johnny Depp and the number one of the box office movie this week, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Jack, have you ever seen with your own eyes the fountain of youth? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question, please? The fountain. Is that where Jack beheaded? It is not the destination so much as the journey. Pirates fear. It has begun. The fountain of youth. What does it require? Okay. I I think I was remember reading this is the one pirates movie that wasn't on Disney Plus for a while. Really? I am sure they really? solved that. I yeah, I mean they, they came out with that streaming service when they had licensed things in like three year perpetuity to all these other places. So like yeah, a lot of the mm. Disney stuff didn't make it over there. And whenever you see, like, for the holidays when Home Alone does make it there, it's like, wow, they paid out the nose to buy out all these contracts. Pirates, remember that? That was a huge thing in the uh, previous yeah. decade. and That uh, was very surprising. I was always very surprised that, wait, really? Everyone likes a Pirates movie? I was really? I, I, I remain surprised. <laughs> I, I'm a person I... who last week watched a narrationless video on Disney Plus of just the park from 1966. Oh, I, I'm a, I love it. But, but yeah, a, a I, cynical I, I, move of like, let's make all of our park properties more valuable by making movies that I'm like, that never should have worked. Ever. Mm-hmm. But you guys, like, I'm not surprised by Pirates of the Caribbean being a thing, not because it has anything to do necessarily with the ride, but because Johnny Depp is doing a very good job at playing like a Johnny Depp character. He's doing a very good Hunter Thompson in a, in a long hair and a beard. Hunter yes. Thompson and um, a Rolling Stone. Keith, Keith. Keith Richards. Keith, thank you. Um, he's doing a very good job of doing that. We also haven't had like a real pirate movie. Like well, We've had three. <laughs> but no, I yeah. know. But I mean, if you're talking. Old, old school swashbuckling no, no, they, 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 yeah, I remember when the movie came out, like the last pirate movie was Cutthroat Island. No one should exactly. ever make any more pirate movies. And like that sentence is exactly. stupid. And but then, yeah, I'll go but see then the movie just to spite you. And then we had like talk like a pirate day is a whole thing that Yarr. like the worst people in the world are super into. Yarr. And then, you know, yeah, of course, we're like perfectly primed for pirate renaissance. So why I'm not you, surprised why do you that have Pirates of a... the Caribbean is a thing. I'm just surprised it's last. Why do you have long. a steering wheel in your belt buckle? Because it's driving, it's driving me nuts. Me nuts. Yarr, yarr, it's driving yarr. me nuts. Uh, so, yeah. So, like you said, this is the first one. The, the first three were basically a trilogy. And now we're moving on. It's the first one not directed by Gore Verbinski. We got Rob Marshall in, who's, who's a good director. And uh, like all the rest of them, it's written by Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, who also co-wrote Shrek. 
<laughs> How are, are those the wealthiest screenwriters in history? I want to see their house yes, right probably. now. Google it. Show yeah. me a satellite image. I need to. I need to know. I need to know if I yeah. need to start hitting the paper again. It's also not based on original property. It's also an adaptation. It's a book, like a 1980s book. A book that they'd been kicking around for a while to try to make a movie out of. And then they decided, all right, well, let's just adapt it, but add these pre-existing they, characters. They John mcclain it. They they put... Yeah. Yeah. They, the same way all the Die Hard movies in the first one are based on novels. Uh, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they shoehorn Johnny no, the Depp first, into this one. The, the first one is, and then the other ones are like scripts that got retrofitted into Die Hard movies, The next two, yes, they're all based yeah. on the thing. Yeah, so that's one of the problems I feel like with this one, is there are some times where it's like, oh, this just feels like a movie about those characters, and then every now and then, oh, here comes Jack Sparrow to do something wacky, and then it's like, like clockwork, okay, well now it's time for an action set piece. Wackies, action back to some other movie uh it still ended up grossing a billion dollars but like had yeah. like like critics were not kind the the first time they were really not kind to this series no i and yeah it's got good parts and if you like it that's fine mostly i'm just so disappointed oh, I'd, I'd love to hear from people who when, love it because i couldn't get through it uh i'm just so disappointed because when you bring in penelope cruz and you bring in motherfucking ian mcshane as motherfucking blackbeard mm-hmm. i want to see some hardcore blackbeard in action mm-hmm. okay I want him to have lit fuses in his beard. I want him to be really, really scary and crazy. And he's just fine. Hmm. I, he didn't get to do enough. I love the Roger Ebert quote of like, it just had too much, too muchness for me. <laughs> it's like, no, that makes sense. I remember watching yeah, this. That's yeah. kind of a great. This is exhausting. Great way to describe it. This is exhausting. Yeah, and there's, there's exhausting. the stakes aren't that high are high enough for me to care just yet. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and, they ended up bringing back some of those older characters because I think grounding it into people who aren't invincible time lords <laughs> uh, does help your your pirate movie a little bit. Yeah, yep. I kind of I kind of feel like Pirates of the Caribbean. This whole franchise, like I can see the money grab of like making more, more, more of these mm-hmm. movies, but it I feel like it would have been I don't know so much more successful just as a one off because if mm. from a Disney perspective, like for the merchandising, all you need is the one. Yeah, man. Like after that, it's just you're my my what are you my doing? again my my trips to Disneyland are marred by how big the Johnny Depp properties were. Yeah, everybody yeah. was wearing the Jack Sparrow hat and the Mad yep. Hatter hat in yep. the mid two thousands, and that's all I remember. That's that is that will that's always going to be the uh, motif of my memories of Disneyland. The how big the Johnny Depp properties were. Yeah. Um, back then but uh and, I, I'd, I'd love to hear I mean, i'd love to hear from fans of this i love hearing pirates of the caribbean fans talk about pirate i really do because like yeah. my parents I, I wish i could take the podcast and show you the back seat of my car when i was a little kid i loved pirates <laughs> and i begged for like i think two years for the lego pirate set and i and i got it in my and now i'm 30 years later my parents are like get this shit out of our house we're throwing it away so my, the pirates lego set sits in the back of my car it was everything i ever wanted i wanted lego monkeys and parrots and cannons and uh crow's nests and it was it was all i was obsessed with that shit when i was a little kid and i had nothing nothing to to, to pour that into other than books <laughs> you know it's been really interesting as we get to the end of the year i'm definitely going to talk about this again but i can throw this out now that the 90s we had a wide variety of kinds of movies mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. lost a couple genres a couple genres completely fucking 
died. Include fantasy. Have we talked about a single fantasy movie? We will at the end of the year. By the end of the year, mm-hmm. when we hit at the end of 2001, we will. But uh-huh. we've talked yeah. about 90 and 91. We've talked about 96, 97, 98, 99. No fantasy movies. And that's basically what this is. It's an action fantasy movie. Yeah. There's like magic mm-hmm. has died mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the cinema. Yeah. And then we have a one-two punch of it coming back in the fall. And it then it's like it hasn't left since. It's mm-hmm. so great. And I love that. Oh, we got fucking pirates. Undead pirates yeah. fighting guys. I think Disney des- deserves a little happen. credit there for knowing the audience was starving for that genre. And yeah, yeah. I think they, they saw like, hey, something we can And, and Cutthroat Island is fucking great. And uh, by the way, so like, uh, watch it's that. It's got movie. some really good stuff in it. Yes, it has I... some really, really good stunts and action in it. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Anyway. Anyway, moving into television of 2011, the 14th. So much. The 20th. It so is, uh, once again, so much. Euro Eurovision Song Contest. Azerbaijan's first win ever. What an upset. Eli and Nikki's Running Scared. I love it. I love it. Slow New Kids on the Block song. This is so, sorry. This is such an elaborate stage. I I I, oh, yeah. I can see That's how you got obsessed with so this. Fun to watch. And this is this is twenty like it's not even an HD. These archives because they're not ready for that. But these these stages are huge. God, yeah. it's, it's I, I wish I was in on this. Let me hear a little more of this. Running on scared tonight, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, per- perfectly fine, like power ballady sure. type song. Yep. And now we're finally done with talking about Eurovision for the year. We did them in all the decades. Oh, but yay, dang. Azerbaijan. Good for you guys. And uh, on SNL this week, uh, usual guest Paul Simon, right on time. Oh. And uh, Ed Helms, the first musician in the Five Timers Club. Paul Simon. And but, but your host Ed Helms, and I think this episode is. I was reading criticisms of it. Ed Helms disappears from the show after the monologue, and because oh. one of the biggest, I can see that yeah. one of the biggest sketches you might remember is TV Funhouse becomes a live action version of Ambiguously Gay Duo, and Jimmy Fallon <laughs> and John Hamm play Ace and Gary. I'm Ooh. sorry. I my girl and I we In watched my dreams. We we've watched the uh, Dana Carvey Too Big to Fail documentary on Hulu like eighty times over the pandemic. Robert Smigel felt so bad about how the Dana Carvey show crumbled. He made the ambiguously gay duo came from that Dana Carvey show over to SNL, and he kept giving these two out of work comedians whose career he thought he'd ruined with the Dana Carvey show work. Steve Carell and Steve Colbert. They were the original voices. <laughs> Of of Ace and Gary. So in the live action That's episode, adorable. Stephen Colbert uh, and Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell play the villains in live action, oh. and so does Ed Helms, making it this like giant Daily Show reunion. Not a fun clip to play in audio, but really worth watching. Like a really fun way to celebrate for celebrate so many aspects of comedy nerd history. But one of my favorite things that happens, one of my favorite oh, sketches. Wait, I was just gonna say, could you just hold it till next month, and then it's for Pride Month. Okay, sure. We can do it. <laughs> what about but what about one of my favorite sketches of this era period? What happens when I say tell you about a little sketch called What Up with That? <laughs> oh, I love it so much. What up with that? It's dude, it's they so they good. have three volumes on YouTube of the show. Would you ah. think we could, it's the same sketch every time? 
<laughs> and I never get Walk tired of it. with perfection. The same sketch every time. That's what the, you have to gotta hear the drum in the background. They do the same thing every time. Formulas solidified. Uh, and so what is part of the formula of What Up With That? The things you remember about What Up With That. Uh, Kristen Wiig with the tambourine. Sure. Her doing a high kick. Every, but every sketch who appears in a What Up With That. You got, uh, he usually has a special guest. And then joining him once again silently is uh, Lindsey Buckingham. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets bumped every time. So that's what makes this one special. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's Lindsey Buckingham gets to shine in the middle of a slot. Right after Ed Helms comes out and plays the banjo for real. That was what I was hinting at. What's up with that? What's up with that? Ladies and gentlemen, this is exciting. Put your hands together for another Lindsey Buckingham. Woo! Oh! So just Lindsey Buckingham comes out and plays the guitar and like he's dressed just like Bill Hader's leather jacket, red V-neck. Uh, his hair is exactly the same. They stand next God. to one. He's like, I bumped you, but I bumped you for Lindsey Buckingham. Lindsey Buckingham. So, <laughs> so Lindsay- All right, I got to search this down because Lindsey Buckingham is the person my dad always says is the greatest, one of the greatest guitarists Oh, he's of really all fun. Time. Yeah, he's really fun to watch. Yeah, of course. He's amazing. And I remember... Ugh, so many road trip memories of listening to a Fleetwood Mac live album. I cannot remember which one, but there at one point someone just goes, uh, I think Mick Fleetwood just goes, Lindsay Buckingham <laughs> really loud. And so every time I hear that, that's all I can think of his name is in that way. It's just like Lindsay Buckingham. Lindsay Buckingham. You have no idea how much I hate him from the way I'm saying his name. His group would barely okay. exist. <laughs> Side note, when are we getting the like Huge documentary or docu series on Fleetwood Mac. I know it's. I feel oh like, my god! I feel like only it would be like eighteen hours long, and there would be like graphs to explain who was cheating with who I'm at what begging, time. I, I don't want to tell our, our our Hollywood listeners how to do their jobs, but like, why is this why? only happened with the Eagles and the Wu Tang Clan? There are so why? many other bands that this this treatment would work well for. Like I, I'm Ryan Murphy. Please, like, cast Sarah Paulson as TV Nicks. Let's fucking do this. What a great bad idea. Is there anything she can't play? <laughs> oh. I'm begging. And also out this week, Ed Helms, busy boy, the office search I'm committee. Sorry. We're talking a lot about the office and Parks and Rec right now because people they, are wrapping up their seasons, so they're 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 doing really good work. Yeah. And, Hell yeah! And we've been talking about the community a lot too. So of course, like everyone's doing great work. The office. We've got the episode search committee where they are trying to find a replacement for Steve Carell mm-hmm. and D'Angelo, played by Will Ferrell, has already come in and then left Punched because it. he went into a coma after playing basketball. A bare fisted a cake. <laughs> um, and so this in this episode, basically an exploratory search committee is formed right. containing Jim Halpert and Toby and Gabe, played by Zach Woods, who's one of my favorite so unsung great. characters. And they are interviewing people for the manager position. So they interview like 
you know, Andy and Daryl and Kelly. And then they include Nellie Bertram, which is, I think this is the first episode we see her played by Catherine Tate. They bring in like a shit ton of people. So you've got like Will Arnett comes in, Warren Buffett comes in, Jim Carrey comes in, <laughs> and Ricky Gervais. Like all these I was people. Say, are like after seven years of no cameos, Ricky Gervais comes into the show he created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so all these people are interviewing for like, you know, basically Michael Scott's position. And then. One of my favorite characters of television history, Robert California, comes in (laughs) and interviews, played by James Spader. Uh And he is, like, so weird and so fun Mm -hmm. and so sexual in a way that is, like, scary and intriguing. I have known known a lot of CEOs who are like... I don't think I want to fuck you, but I'm listening to you, and I know this is a bad idea. And you're here to you're here to rob this company before you leave in a year. And yeah. <laughs> I'm basically convinced that Robert California is the same character from Sex Lies and Videotape. Uh, it has to be right. Has yeah. to be. So I pulled his interview with the exploratory committee. <laughs> Experience selling refinery equipment translate to our smaller scale here. You don't work in sales, do you? Human resource. You see, I sit across from a man. I see his face. I see his eyes. Now, does it matter if he wants $100 of paper or $100 million of deep-sea drilling equipment? Don't be a fool. He wants respect. He wants love. He wants to be younger. He wants to be attractive. There is no such thing as a product. Don't ever think there is. There is only sex. Everything is sex. Do you understand that what I'm telling you is a universal truth, Toby? Yes. (laughs) This is the attitude I'm coming into every job interview with. (laughs) That's how I'm going to do it from now on. Oh. oh, so good. And sets up for like a really great, I love that whole character arc with Robert California. So, but then also we have Parks and Rec, Lil Sebastian, <gasps> RIP. No. Oh. Yes. Hang on. I need and, to go light 5,000 candles. It's <laughs> truly like epic in the right sense of the word episode of Parks and Rec where they put together Little Sebastian, unfortunately, Whoa. passes from this earth, goes to the Rainbow Bridge, and <laughs> they put together this he like Thor there. And yes. they go on adventures. Yes. Also, Little Sebastian is a tiny horse. <laughs> <laughs> And so they put together a benefit concert for Little Sebastian. And of course, the highlight of it is Andy's song to Little Sebastian, which I pulled a clip from. And you play it as long as you your heart feels like you should do it. I, I, I only want to because 30-2010 had to be traumatized by Candle in the Wind. Semi, semi-recently. <laughs> but my girl didn't know that that was what this was referencing, that Andy's told to write a memorial song and think wow. of like Candle in the Wind. And like, I don't know what it's like to not know about that song, but for anybody younger okay. and who's listened to the show for a long time, Andy basically a- rewrite, like rewrites from the notes he's given Candle in the Wind for Little Sebastian. But that's just like a triple, in, triple like weirdness because like there are so many people who don't know 5,000 Candles of the Wind is based on Candle in the Wind, mm-hmm. which is about Princess Di. But then so many people don't realize that song is based Monroe. on a song about Marilyn Monroe. Like, and better than all yeah. those is a small horse, the Elvis of Pawnee, Indiana. It's such a dumb setup, a payoff of the gag of this needs to be like Candle in the Wind, but five thousand times better. Yes, and and then and then the payoff is it's good. Is called you are five thousand candles in the wind. <laughs> yes. 
We'd like to encourage everyone to buy our merchandise. All the proceeds will go towards Lil Sebastian's favorite charity, the Afghan Institute of Learning. Next, we have a special musical tribute by Mr. Andy Dwyer. What's 5,000 times better than a candle in the wind? This song is called 5,000 Candles in the Wind. Why did I explain it? God damn it. Up in horsey heaven, here's a thing. You trade your legs for angels' wings. And once we've all said goodbye, you take a running leap and you learn to fly. <laughs> you in the satisfaction lines <laughs> oh my it's god so good. and also i did not realize until now that mouse rat is basically a band in the fashion of hootie and the blowfish yes. no yeah like, a, okay. like I, I was gonna say creedish but hootie and the blowfish doesn't hurt think, as much that's that, I think that hootie's works. the better and you can still buy their band shirt at Hot Topic to this day, Mouse Rat. I, Mouse Rat. The only thing better than this version is when the cast was on Late Night with Seth Meyers. Mm-hmm. They perform it, and there is a point where uh, Aubrey Plaza and Jim O'Hare, who plays Jerry, start making out. <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. the most unexpected thing I've ever seen in my life. It's wow. amazing. Uh, Aubrey Plaza is really up. committed to making those awkward television appearances. <laughs> Truly. Um, also, I saw her one time in Los Angeles. That's true. Yeah, cool. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and just to tie it all together, there were more people in the Little Sebastian Memorial crowd scene than in the entire kingdom of Shrek when Lord Farquaad is giving an address <laughs> in, in a cartoon. So that's... <laughs> That's why I'm saying it looks dated. So, okay. And then All lastly, right. oh, we, wow, we pour, we snuck this in here. Poor Mary Hart anchors entertainment for like for the last time. Yep. She started in 1982. And Dang. just to tie in my bullshit, years. appears in Last Action Hero. Yeah. <laughs> she also yes. caused Kramer to seize in Seinfeld. What? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Which is based on a real person. Video games of what are we? May fourteenth through the twenty the twentieth. We'll talk about these obviously more in depth. The Video Game Apocalypse Boys on patreon.com slash laser time. Brand new episode this week, along with Sega Star Wars. because uh, in this this will be a fucking weird one. I would think one of the the games we talked about the most in the history of podcasting together when it came out was LA Noir. <laughs> Oh boy. LA Noir, the cast of Mad Men meets Rockstar in a game that tried to have you interview suspects and look for their facial tics. A very strange, I don't want to spoil anything, it was a very strange game. It has a new VR mode that I'm dying to try. I, I should also say Terraria, one of the best selling video games on the entire planet, came out 10 years ago. Terraria. And SpongeBob Squiggle Pants for 3DS, Sega Rally Online for Xbox Live, and if you're playing Droid or iOS, uh, I know you wrestling fans are playing TNA Wrestling Impact because that 
That place has to be in business to this day for a reason. It's outlived many other more beloved wrestling outfits. <laughs> TNA. What a terrible name. Never. You'd think that would be it for the show, and it sort of is, but we have a, a couple plugs to get through. But don't leave because we have a quiz that we do at the end of the show, and we tell you who lived and died during this period, and you wrestling fans are going to want to stick around. A little, little bit of plugs, patreon.com slash laser time. New episodes of laser time going up a little more frequently. Please enjoy our Oscar episodes, even though the Oscar is... I, I know people are listening to it late because I'm hearing things like today, and the Oscars have been over for like two weeks. Finally getting some yep. feedback on that. It's okay. I didn't like watching the Oscars either. <laughs> <laughs> Die, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And then next week is massive. We have so many big things. We have a wonderful DreamWorks movie that we wouldn't have without Shrek. Uh, we have Terrence Malick back after 30-something <laughs> fucking years. Wow. We have... I'm not even going to tease them. I'm going to just start listing them. We have Drop Dead Fred, Hudson Hawk, Backdraft, and Thelma and Louise. Jesus Christ. Ooh, That's girl. just 1991. So Backdraft and Thelma and Louise, the two genders. Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't enough, motherfucking Memento coming next week. Oh. Yeah, mm. next week. It's going to be like a five-hour show. It's going to be fucking nuts. I don't know how we're going to do it. Like, strap in, get your adult diapers, much like the astronaut lady who drove across the country, because we're going for it. All right. Or just get some oh AirPods, my. for fuck's sake. Like, just go to the bathroom. You can listen to no. us. No, yes. Sarah doesn't like to be place. listened to while you're on the toilet. She she prefers that not to happen. I would prefer that not to happen. <laughs> uh, sometimes some respect, sometimes we listen in on you listening. Yeah, I bet you didn't know we could do that, but we do. And we don't it, want to hear you in the bathroom. It's gross, y'all. Mm -hmm. yes. It's gross. Yes, I, <laughs> I try not to judge. Uh, yeah, see what you do, but I'm not going to kink shame you. It's not illegal. Yeah, you, Dan. Dan, we know what you're up and to. And it is... Marge. I'm I'm terrible at improv. Why is it the first woman's name I could come up with? But, uh, die, who died? Oh, uh, getting into the desk. We just have the one, but in 2011, that's when we lost Macho Man Randy Savage, who was 58, had a massive heart attack while driving his car. Oof. Yeah, or or after hitting something with this. I forget how it worked exactly. No, it sounds like he, he had a heart attack, passed and out then, at the and wheel. Then crashed and then car. his car. Crashed his car. I don't think anyone was hurt. That was good. I, I got to tell you, like this, I had been doing, if you've been listening to our shows forever, I had been doing a Macho Man impression on our show and inviting listeners to do the same thing. And we were all just like, oh, this is so much fun. Not really, you know, because Randy was kind of a character who had disappeared into the ether you know he was older mm. he fell out of favor with wwe but i'm telling you that's when we all st really started to appreciate wrestling when you talk like that guy for more than one minute it hurts so much and at no <laughs> point doing a randy savage impression does anyone do a flying elbow drop after 20 minutes of wrestling off the top rope literally doing a macho man impression gave me an all new appreciation of the entire genre of professional wrestling. And I, I hope that happened for everybody else. Cause like a and E's biography has been entirely wrestlers. If you have not noticed and getting the biggest ratings biography has ever gotten. And I believe the Randy Savage one is coming. I watched the Roddy Piper one. It's two hours. Lost my mind. Thought it was great. 
So do you agree with the good place that Jacksonville needs to rename their airport? Randy Macho Man <laughs> Savage, not international airport. Yes. 100%. What is it now? I hate that place. Oh, of course they do. Yeah, yeah that place, place sucks. But Randy Macho, oh yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage. Like it when he talks to the low and he gets real loud, man. Oh yeah. But the cream always <laughs> rises, man. The cocaine was really big in wrestling at that point. It's hard to keep this up for a long time, but Hulkamania's going out, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I miss that man. Don't drink from a wine glass and give me that look, Sarah. The Macho Man is one of our greatest entertainers. No look. No look has been given. And with that out of the way, only one death, but man, it hurt me so much. I have built, I think, Two video tributes in my entire life, and I built one. I spent all day making one for Macho Man at my real job. But with out of the way, let's see who was born, man. Yeah. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. We got an all star birthday quiz this week. See how we do, Sarah. You've been you've been lagging behind. I'm so bad. She got me last week. It's okay. Yeah. Half of it. She got half of it. All right. So, born May 20th, 1946 in El Cerrito, California. Her dad abandoned the family when she was an infant, and her mom, who's an actress named Georgia Holt, remarried a ton. What, what, what year? 1956? Oh. Nope. 1956? 1946. She's turning 75. All right. She's a boomer. Anyway, dropped out of high school, took backup singer jobs. She can be heard on absolute fucking classics, Be My Baby, and You Lost That Love and Feeling. Carol King. No, good guess, though. Sorry. Uh, that's an, uh, yeah, not that guess. Uh, Journey her first single. No. Her first single was a novelty song called Ringo, I Love You, and it was rejected by radio stations because her voice is so deep, they thought it was a nude. Stevie Nicks. Good guess, but no. Uh, Mary White, Barry's sister. I'm sorry. <laughs> she released two debut albums in 1965, one solo and one with a group. The solo one's called All I Really Want to Do, and the Cheryl group Brooke. one was called... Look at us. Mm. Um, mm. I, I'm at a loss. It's not Show Crow, because you said nope. it wasn't. It's not Mama nope. Cass. Nope. Also a good guess, though. Since then, she sold 40 million records as uh, part of that group, and 100 million solo. Diana Ross? No, another good guess, though. She's also been in films that have grossed $600 million worldwide. Oh, it's not Darlene Love. I don't think she did the film thing. No. And... I mean, leave a weapon movies. They, they made a pretty penny. Okay. She turned down roles in War of the Roses and in Thelma and Louise that we talk about next week. Gina Turner? Nope. Another interesting guess. You guys are you guys are doing really well. Cher. Thank you. Oh! It is Cher. Yeah! Sarah was cheating, man. This week I'm gonna tear her in half. See, I threw in her mom's name on the very off chance that you could steal it off of that, but that's that's fair enough. The and woman who was, was born hard. in a traveling show gave birth, and it was so hard to not call them a duo. The mm-hmm. Sunny, just call them a group. I knew that was sending a people com- in the wrong direction. A but... rock combo. <laughs> I yeah. just the combination of deep voice and tons of. Like movie revenue, that was like, yeah. Oh, that was, and that was so air appropriate too. She would have been coming off a uh, Moonstruck and oh yeah, divorce. This will not... oh, both of those. She would have been great. Thelma and Louise, especially. I'm guessing is Louise Susan Sarandon part. She would have been fucking great. This will not translate into what I'm saying, but I just want to share it anyways. Just this week, I received a T-shirt that I ordered that has across the front. It just says share, but in the font of the dare 
like uh, <laughs> and then underneath it it just says do you believe in life after love <laughs> it's a prize possession now. I, that is so great all right movies yeah. of hers we have talked about those suspect if these walls could talk one team of mussolini witches of eastwick mermaids moonstruck and I did not know that in the 90s, everyone made fun of her for doing uh, a bunch of infomercials, but it was yeah. because she contracted Epstein-Barr and had chronic fatigue, mm. so it was harder to work. Girl. Yeah, Christina Applegate played her in, on SNL. Uh, everyone made fun of her, mm-hmm. but it's like, because touring and being a movie star is hard. Yes. But she's 75, still still kicking so much ass. I love her so much. God damn. Uh, go yeah. share and go Sarah for this one week. Her Twitter is... <laughs> deranged <laughs> but a follow yeah also by the way just talking about twitter follows if you want like a twitter ant to follow that's like you know a person giving you ant memes but not like annoying you about like uh family gatherings follow bet midler <laughs> she shares all the ant memes I am, it's awesome and probably a lot of like is anybody out there give me some tech support? I can't connect my AirPods. Yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit of that. <laughs> but with that, the show is pretty much over. Patreon.com slash laser time supports all, the whole network. Let's close out with some De La Soul, right, Dime? Yeah. yeah. Roller skating jam named Saturdays mm-hmm. is a real good summertime song. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling the summer. It's almost here. Ugh. Coming next week. I told you what's coming. Do your homework, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know just because looking at the fucking games, like, why is the Terminator 2 game coming? Ah, fuck! Oh, oh fuck! Well, uh. while we're talking about summertime jams, let me just say, Sam and I are planning a summer film festival at our house, and I am welcoming all suggestions for summertime films. Do you want me to tell you what's on my list right now? I've got okay. Jaws, my favorite movie of all time, right. A Perfect Getaway, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and Die Hard mm. with a Vengeance. Ooh, yeah. oh, that, one, that, one starts with a, that, that one starts with a hot town, summer in the city. Boom! Yeah. What a great start. Yeah, uh, right. The Avengers is great. I might have to, ooh. So send me all your suggestions, what you would say for like the quintessential summertime film. Dude, tell a friend, tune in next week. Th- this summer is about to get crazy with the movies alone. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Case it's time to let loose, cause you work like heck to get the weekend check. So unfasten that sleeper on your neck. Connected like a rod from the wheel to the foot. Come on, everybody, with the funky output. 